0: Okay, great. My wife speaks for me.
1: Welcome to episode number 174 of Grumpy Old Ben's for Monday, July 5th, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill, coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of Middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I'm hanging on by the thread, and the next voice I hear might set me off. And
0: from America's left coast, where I greet the morning with the smell of stale gunpowder,
1: used beer, and an
0: independence hangover, still. Go America!
1: Oh, what, okay, what, that was way too long of a line. I didn't even think you were going to say your name. I, I didn't either. I, I,
0: <laughs> did, did I mention I'm a little hungover from last night? <laughs> we're going to have to play to the trolls in the troll room on the part of the show. We just dis- discarded because you couldn't
1: silence your phone. Yeah. Um, should we retweet Fletcher again? I mean, we- <laughs>
0: no, we no. there's only so much Fletcher we can take. But uh, I did mention that um, I. I had myself some hazy IPA last night. Just I I had to go out. I was like, what beer should I get? I know just in honor of John C. Dvorak, I picked up some hazy IPA and uh, and, and this was an Imperial and it was a very, very strong beer. And after only about four of them last night, I went, I need to get up in the morning. So at least it allowed me to sleep through the shelling that went on until 1 a.m.
1: Oh, yeah. On the plus side, my shelling was just fireworks. How was yours? Well, there we go. I mean, one, does the hazier IPA, do you get more drunk with more haze? Is this kind of like a Well, thing you get with more drunk with more alcohol. The more hungover, though, because that's like they say, like the clear liquors, there's less of a hangover. If there's a haze, then is it a worse hangover?
0: Mm, the 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 quality of the hangover is pretty much dependent on how much alcohol you consumed.
1: But sometimes it's clean alcohol. And sometimes it's yeah, uh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes when it's 92 degrees in your house, it's a dry
1: heat. Yeah. Well, see, that's not fun. It's always very cool here. And in our little hamlet, the only boom booms were from fireworks. We don't really get gunshots around here. I mean, we're far enough away, but you say that now. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's coming. I mean, there's no question. The, uh the violence in Chicago cannot be contained over the weekend because you know, big holiday celebration. Seventy-two people shot, thirteen fatally, and including does, a bunch of kids. Which you know, if Black Lives Mattered, Al Sharpton would be here, Jesse would be here, Barack would be here. But no, no, no.
0: Does does that seventy-two count the 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 number you already counted from Friday? Because on Friday you gave a one-day total, but I think that was. That, that was, was just Thursday,
1: guess. so I don't think that would count for the weekend. Sorry. Okay, so so you
0: had thirty something, forty something on Friday, and now seventy-two more.
1: Yeah. Okay. But no, just, it's not a it's not an epidemic. No, violence is not an epidemic in Chicago. No. no, I think I think the word for it is pandemic. It yes, it's a it's a <laughs> pandemic. And I mean, I don't mind. I'm all for people blowing off the fireworks to celebrate the fourth of July. I don't care. I mean, get a little annoyed when it starts in like the first day of June and I'm a little annoyed once it goes past about 10 o'clock at night into the evening. Cause I mean, a lot of people had to get up and work today just cause you don't doesn't mean you should be blowing the stuff off at midnight or one o'clock in the morning, but Hey, people are douchebags and not in a good way.
0: I, I I can't argue too much with people blowing off fireworks on July 4th. I, I, there was a little bit of annoyance with the, the blowing off fireworks for the last three and a half weeks because we have, you know, those one neighbors who bought way too much and are like, well, we bought these. We'd better light them every single night. Yeah, OK. You know, that might be excessive. Uh, the only problem I really had last night and I, I even understand the people like, OK, people look at your calendar. It's now July 5th at 12.07 a.m. Why right. are you still doing this? But I'm even I can't even get too angry with that, at least partly because, hey, at least they have the ability to do something. That the government tells them not to do. And I, I can appreciate that because, of course, in this city, fireworks are completely illegal. There were not supposed to be any at all. And uh, some people didn't get the message judging by the number of fire trucks that I also heard rolling last night. Well, yeah, but
1: were the people shooting off the fireworks there in the Seattle area? Were they masked? I did not check and I wasn't
0: going to. Um,
1: the The one
0: problem I had was having to uh, having to sit here and calm down my damn cat. Well, the the one who can still hear the deaf cat was perfectly fine. He did not care. But the one who can still hear, she was tense and freaking out and running between windows all night. And I was like, at some point, she's going to knock something over and, and onto herself. Anyway. Like, well, at least that. Yeah. as far as I'm aware, most of them were all from fireworks and not bullets. So I feel pretty safe
1: here. As net in the troll room is pointing out when we do these shows live. You want to be in the troll room? No agenda stream dot com to take part in all of the fun for listening live and for being able to troll along. There were two police officers in the Austin neighborhood. No, you know, no connection to Austin Tejas, but there were two police officers in the Austin neighborhood of Chicago who got out of their car to try to break up a bunch of people who were shooting off fireworks and both the officers were shot. So I just want to point out that, uh, you know, this is shytown town baby. One got hit in yeah, the foot, uh, one got hit in the leg. And they're are, like, are, are the cops allowed to carry weapons I, they, guns? They are. They are. Okay. Uh, I loved the response from the commander that was like, you know, we're not really sure if they were just hit by stray bullets or people that were celebrating and shooting their guns in the air. It's like you had two cops that get out of a car and were hit. I don't think you can just go. This was random that uh, people were just randomly shooting indiscriminately was. With the well, one cop, they copy. might have been randomly shooting every cop that they saw. Yeah,
0: I I I don't I don't know if you you probably can't hear this, but somebody is setting off fireworks outside right now.
1: No, I do not. I do. The noise <laughs> gate must be pretty
0: good. I, yeah, I'm OK with that because you didn't interrupt the show in order to point out
1: things going on in my room. So I had to do it. I'd have been like everybody. We have a we have a report. Currently, we have violence breaking out just outside of Casa de Bemrose. Where, well, I'm
0: choosing to believe it's fireworks because it's hard to tell. I, I'm not familiar enough with the sound of gunshots out my window.
1: See, so, uh, come to Chicago, spend a few days yeah, and uh, and figure out what that is. But, hop on the
0: Zephyr. They have a primer course where they just shoot randomly near you.
1: Right. You're like, well, you know, you start in California where they're like, OK, you're used to seeing needles on the street. The, it, in the other direction
0: the your primer is they fill one of the cars with smog.
1: Right. Could be. So you know it's different. You want to be prepared for what you're going to get when you get to the end of the line. You know, if you get sometimes the end of the line in Chicago is actually the end of the line. And uh, there was a guy shot on the uh, you know mass transit on the L, which is oh, I you were going to
0: say there was a guy shot on the California
1: Zephyr. I mean, there could have been. I mean, they they share I'm sure the same tracks. Uh, that, you know, yeah. when they come through town here, it's like this is uh, yeah, it's a fun place to hang out. But you get some good barbecue. You never know what's going to happen. But as you said, we had a, uh, you know, aborted start of the show because, I mean, normally I turn the ringer off on my phone. It is now, but I had forgotten to. And our mechanics called, who've had my wife's car for a couple of weeks, and it was making a very weird noise. And it's concerning when a car makes a very loud mechanical type noise. And oh, was,
0: I thought you were going to say the mechanic was making a very weird noise. Like, well, yeah, we're going to have to charge you $1,200 for this.
1: <laughs> no. And uh, I mean, they're not charging you anything because they haven't been able to figure well he believes it's a sensor and i drove in the car with her a couple of weeks ago before we brought it in and i'm like yeah you really need to to get that checked out again cuz it had been doing it and it kind of came you know one of these problems they're the, they're the greatest kind that disappear when the mechanic has them they were finally able to make it happen but it's not something that's happening all the time
0: you, but you you mean problems like killing the engine when you hit your blinker
1: right Exactly. Which, I mean, that was your story of having a car that was haunted. This was ours, I guess, because it's like, especially if you're driving slow and you turn the wheel a little bit, it would be like, and it would make a really mechanical sounding noise. And I'm like, you know, is that the transmission? What the hell's going on? But the car wasn't jerking around. So usually with the transmission, You know, you can feel.
0: okay, but but if you turn the wheel and the car is not jerking around, that might be okay. If you turn the wheel, does the car turn? Yes. Yes. Because
1: that's important. Yes. Now, what they believe this is, is a sensor failing somewhere that is causing the ABS system or the traction control, rather, of the uh, the car to kick in for no apparent reason. So he's like, it thinks either. One of the wheels is spinning too much or one of them is not spinning at all. He's like, but now when it's on the machine for them to monitor all the sensors, it's not doing it. He's like, I take it out to drive yeah. it. It'll do it. But it, uh, yeah, that almost <laughs> needs a road tested. So yeah. yeah, he was able to the road testing to make it happen. But then once it's back on the machine, he's like, just have her keep driving it and hopefully it'll get worse. So it'll happen every time. And we can figure out what sensor. And I'm like, we just wanted to make sure well, this wasn't something where the car was going to, uh, you know, die on the expressway and something was going to blow up. And
0: see, this this is why all of our modern computerized cars are introducing telemetry. Yes. So they can constantly be sending a stream of data about everything you do and everywhere you go back to the mothership to be put in a database and seized by law enforcement whenever they want to persecute you.
1: Exactly. No, it's not four wheel drive. Douchebag pet, And I think it was the traction control. Maybe it was the ABS. Either way, you know, the machine is a sensor going something bad. So it's doing something. But yeah, that's when you add computers to anything. I guess you're just asking for some some kind of an issue.
0: See, this is this is why, you know, we need to go back to mechanical linkages and everything, because, you know, that almost all the time that thing is just going to power through whatever it is you're trying to turn the wheel. It's going to turn the damn wheels. And if you get to a point where it really isn't going to work, well, then the repairs are expensive. But at least you can see the sheared off pins and stuff and go, yep, that's a problem.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all these sensors. It's much
0: more satisfying to look at than a computer readout.
1: Well, yeah, and all these sensors. Half of them aren't really doing anything except, well, we need to keep you in the compliance for all the green energy. We, oh. we can't be putting out too much in the admissions. It, it, you do me a
0: favor. Anytime somebody uses the word compliance around you, just punch them once.
1: <laughs> you got to get some compliance here on Grumpy Old Ben's. Comply. You will comply. You will listen and comply. It's, an, it's, yes. a, it's a very popular I, it's, word. Yes.
0: Yes. People like, how are you today? I'm non-compliant <laughs>
1: with what you're like life in <laughs> yeah. general, whatever you got.
0: Hey, give, give me, give me a scenario. I'm going to not comply with it. I'm good. Yes. Yeah. So I, I brought up uh, telemetry because my first story today uh, has to do with a piece of software that I use all the time. And I know you don't, but many, many podcasters do called audacity.
1: Oh yeah. That's my first story, baby. Oh
0: well. In that case, how about you go with your first story first, and then I'll do mine.
1: (laughs) I think we're I think we're overlapping for one of (laughs) the rare chances because yes, I don't use Audacity. I used to have it. I mean, I'm sure it's on the machine sitting next to me. That my wife took over. That was my main machine up until just a few months ago because I would you know play around with Audacity. See, I was always like, well, you know, between that and Adobe's Audition, which I use, and there are other audio programs out there, but Audacity for years has been the go-to free open source audio software for people especially podcasters because it's simple it does the job and it's free and it's been free open source software for and, well and, over and a more decade than, right
0: more than just it's free uh, it's it's gplv2 it, it is it is open source and has a copyleft license attached to it. it it is not the kind of soft it, it is specifically designed, licensed, and written with the expectation that it can't be made unfree, but Which, yet somebody's
1: trying. How, you're right. That was my question, because this is what I didn't really understand, and the stories didn't really go into explaining this. They all wanted to talk about the fact that the terms of service have changed, but nobody really wanted to go into the minutiae of how a program that has been open source that licensed the way you say that was acquired by a company two months ago. How does that happen in the first place?
0: Um, I has just, I, so I don't, I don't have the specifics. In fact, nothing was ever published. The only thing that was published because I went and I, I mean, I, I didn't. I didn't read the stories about this. What I ended up going to was I went to their GitHub page and I started reading the issues, including uh, infamous issue 1213, which is about this, where some people got really, really, really angry about this change to their privacy policy in terms of service. But let's back up a little bit. Uh, according to Wikipedia, uh, Audacity was purchased by uh, I'm sorry the the term on wikipedia audacity was acquired right by the muse group in april they announced that they were acquired and i went and, and and the announcement on the audacity site says that they were acquired and um i had the same question you did which is when you have a a gpl piece of open source software what exactly are they acquiring and here are the things that are not covered by gpl the software is but the trademarks uh the brand name audacity and, uh, you know, they can come to a separate agreement with the maintainers of the code base. That's what they can acquire. They cannot own the software per se. Um, and then the other thing that on a purely practical level is they acquire the keys to the main GitHub repository. So, uh, what I mean, Muse group also comes along. They, they had a, a successful bit of software called Muse score which uh, I'm not familiar with, but is apparently pretty big um, that has been closed source. And when they picked up audacity, it was a natural fit. And I don't you know, I don't know if these guys are, are nefarious or if they're just not sure what they're doing.
1: But um right. And that's what a lot of people were saying about this change was, well, this is just a corporation. A bunch of guys that their lawyers are like, oh, you need to cover your ass. But.
0: Yeah, and and maybe they do. And, you know, the, the team that has been maintaining audacity for a long time and putting in an immense amount of work for, uh, let's face it, open source means you're not going to get rich doing it. Uh, you're not going to get rich writing open source. The way to get rich with open source is supporting it. But um, these people, I, I, I mean, the the people running audacity you can say they sold out. They, they decided that they wanted to bring on a corporate brand as might have be how they is, is how they would characterize it. But either way, uh muse group acquired the name audacity, all of the icons and branding associated with it. They acquired the, uh, the trademark. They uh, acquired the keys to maintaining the software, but the software is GPL. Uh,
1: anyway. Uh, well, does wait, but does so that mean this, then if they wanted to, They could rewrite their own audio software and then sell it as Audacity.
0: They cannot use any code that that came from Audacity. Right. And uh, the the reason for that is not to do with if if Audacity were a normal piece of open source software, they could do like, say, Google did with Chromium uh, or not not Chromium with, with Android and say, okay, here is the published open source version of it. Uh, this one has been licensed open source. What was it, Apache or something? And therefore, will remain open source forever. But we're going to do all of our other development behind a closed wall. We're going to do it under the, you know, Google did it under the label of, of Play Services, where half of Android now is, is the closed source Play Services that you get. But a lot of places where they try to take something closed source, What they end up doing is, okay. the last open source version will remain published forever. And every update, change and modification that we make from now on is going to be closed source. By the way, I think that would probably be fine because you would take the last version of Audacity. What what is it? 2.2. I'm not going to I'll get it wrong. Uh, But you take the last open version of Audacity, you install that. And you just use it forever. And uh, unless there are significant security holes in it, which it's not normally an internet facing app or program. So you're probably not going to have a lot of security problems with it. So you can keep using it. And as long as you don't need the new features, you're okay with that. But the rub is that audacity is licensed under GPL and you are not allowed to use any code licensed under GPL with anything closed source, period, end of story. It's one of the reasons why corporations hate the GPL so much. Is it, it it's a, you know, it, uh, to, to use a term that one of my managers used at Microsoft, it's infectious. It, you, you know, <laughs> right. we, we, we were actually very specifically banned from, like, we could not download for a long time. We could not download an internet utility. We couldn't grab a, a, a grep.exe off of a website, if it had been compiled and run it on our systems, because that code was GPL and we, they didn't, our, our, our corporate lawyers did not want to risk the possibility that any GPL code would ever in any way be used with any of my Microsoft code, because it would infect the Microsoft code and force us legally right to open source everything. And I think that that was a little overblown, but integrating uh you know, trying to add closed source stuff to a GPL project is a big no, no. So I don't think they can, you know, unless they rewrite the whole thing from scratch, I don't think they can take audacity closed source.
1: Now they can fork it and do it. You know, that's the whole thing too. So audacity, if they well, decide even
0: a fork must operate under GPL, uh, either GPL V two or the one, the one hole in it is that it can be quote upgraded to GPL V three. And I'm, I'm right. not going to go too far into this, but a lot of people don't necessarily think that's an upgrade.
1: But the open source community can take what's there now and keep building on it. That's not changing. Yes.
0: yes. So, so that it is, in fact, happening already. Um, so I was going to go back to a, a story that, that got pushed on us or to us uh, by several people back in May. And I kind of didn't bring it because there wasn't a lot there. But uh, well, before, the, the we, first,
1: before we do that with the audacity thing. Oh, I, I was talking about audacity. Oh, OK, go ahead.
0: Oh, the first stirrings of problems with this Muse acquisition of Audacity was when, uh, very, very shortly after the, the acquisition, um, there was a, a pull request and a change that was proposed into Audacity to add telemetry. Um, the way that they decided to add it was it was going to be opt in and it was going to be mainly just crash reports and stuff like that. And, and from a developer perspective, I, I'm, kind of okay with that especially given that it's opt-in which means that it's not sending by default you have to you have to click probably a pop-up box that says you know your shit crashed do you want to send this crash report to the the developers so they can fix it in future versions i think that's righteous and from a development perspective um it's really really helpful to get a, a crash dump is, is something that's actionable. It's something you can work on. It's a hell of a lot better than, well, I was editing audio and it crashed. Well, that's a useless right. crash report,
1: <laughs> right? You want the specifics.
0: Yeah. So, um, I, I'm kind of okay with that. And, and I didn't see a controversy here. There, there are a lot of people in the OSS community who, I mean, got, I, I went through and read that, that particular pull request too, and, um, uh, a, a spoiler alert after lots of pushback from the OSS community, um Audacity ended up backing out their plans to do telemetry in that and uh, entirely. And and this may come back in the future. But they they said, well, we underestimated the amount of passion in the community. You know how that works. And um, I th- there are a lot of people out there who uh, uh, do not want like they don't want the code to exist. There was one proposal that said, well, this might be OK if you just implemented all of your telemetry as a plug in. And let me tell you, from a technical perspective, that's a freaking disaster. There's no way that would work. But um, they literally do not want the code to exist because there's something that like, you know, if if it can be turned on with a dialog box and it can be turned on with uh, you know, it may be a remote switch or something. You don't know. It may be, I mean, there is a risk that it could be turned on with, uh, if if the code's there, there are a lot of people who think even were who, who think even less about the, the kind of privacy violations associated with telemetry than I do. I was fine with it for it being opt in as, as long as, as, as it's verifiable that this thing is off by default and I don't have to turn it on. I, I didn't see a story. Well, that was May. Now we've got the uh, the the change to their privacy policy.
1: Right. And they're saying they'll collect whatever is, quote, necessary, which doesn't really add to the uh, to the clarity here. That's still pretty damn vague. And they mentioned something specifically. I'm looking through my notes here, but they mentioned something specifically about handing information over to law enforcement, which is. Yes. You're an audio program. What the hell?
0: I've got the line. It's from the privacy policy and it says that they collect quote data necessary for law enforcement, litigation and authorities requests, if any. And uh, I. OK, uh, let, let me first of all, before we go deep into conspiracy land. um Point out that, again, I, I'm i not certain the muse group is necessarily evil because there were a number of people who pointed out and I didn't I didn't do a diff between them, but pointed out that this new privacy policy looks a lot like. The privacy policy that they have on MuseScore and uh, the other software that they have, which I didn't write down. And it, it might just be a matter of Muse Group didn't want to pay lawyers to maintain two different privacy policies. And they're like, well, we've already got this one that checks out by our lawyers. So let's just apply it to the other thing that we own. Right. Um, m- maybe they are just that dumb.
1: Maybe they're not evil. It's possible. But, I mean, cut and paste is cheaper than paying lawyers. Yes. So, um, the,
0: saying that they will, you know, they, and, and again, there's, there's nothing in here. There's, for one thing, I, I, you know, lots of people poured over the open source code in Audacity. There is nothing in the Audacity code that even does any of this collection, but in their privacy policy, they are now reserving the right to collect data necessary for law enforcement litigation and authorities requests. Um, even saying that though. I mean, first of all, you're 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 spitting on the open source community and a lot of people got really cranky about that. But more importantly, that line right there we, might just well uh, disable audacity and, and uh, preclude them from being included in a lot of distros like like Debian, which is uh, hardcore about making sure that they're, you know, that their privacy policies don't open up. You know, they, they don't include software that opens people up to any kind of privacy invasion and so just saying we reserve the right to do this might get them kicked out of a lot of distros yeah
1: and i mean it's interesting that uh, i mean the data it says that is now being collected so i don't know or because this was off an article in mac rumors but you're saying there's really not a whole lot of information about anything in the code collecting this And, and according to mac rumors it says the type of data collected includes the computer's processor, the operating system and version, the user's IP address, any crash reports, as you said, any fatal error codes and messages generated by their machine. So error messages, the uh, that doesn't seem like a bad thing, but
0: and I I did not personally look over the code. I didn't take the time to do that. However, uh, like I said, I was poking around a lot of comments in the GitHub repository and people with with a lot more time and energy to do this than I did had gone over it. And as far as I can tell, there is no telemetry in Audacity right now, which means they're not collecting it, but they've changed their privacy policy to say they can. And I have no doubt that they will try again with a, a pull request to implement that now that the privacy policy says they can.
1: Now, the question is, is this? The concept that we've seen with all of these smart talking devices, which is okay, it might not be sending your data back now, but they could. Is that just the concept here? They're like, well, you're feeding. That's
0: absolutely what I expect. Yes. Yeah.
1: You know, it's like, oh, they're feeding audio into this. So why can't they? To anything you put in there, they can grab the audio. And it's like, it's not that easy in a program like this to compress that audio and send it back. There's no reason why they should ever need that audio and if it if that change is made, as you said, people will notice. So I, uh, will they? I, somebody will, because you see how nuts people went with I, this.
0: I I'd like to think so. And and at least the last time they tried to implement it in the code, people noticed and made a stink about it. But uh, you know, I at this point, if, if you do want to attribute evil to them, they are doing it the right way. They are getting all of the controversy out of the way Early on by saying, well, we're just saying we could do it, but we don't. And they can assure people and calm them down saying we don't do it. Look at the code. There's nothing in there. And then they can totally slip it into the code later if they want. I mean, if you want to decide they're evil, that would be a great way to do it. Um, but this privacy policy, that's not the only problem with the line. Um. Here, here's one uh, that that I like. Uh, let's see. They say they are they they reserve the right to share personal data with quote our auditors, advisors, legal representatives, and similar agents. Well, that's everybody. <laughs> that's right. <laughs>
1: who are, who is this
0: excluding? It doesn't. It, it 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 really doesn't. There's. I mean, I guess you know your personal data is not available to you, the end user. <laughs>
1: you know, or one of them wasn't. Something about people that may be buy interested in buying our company or something. I mean, it was all sorts of. Uh...
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. So they, they, this is clearly, it's wide open. And, and, you know, if you're a lawyer and you want to, pre, if, if you're a lawyer and your corporate goal is to prevent your company from having any liability whatsoever because that's expensive legally, then you write overly broad privacy policies like this. Uh, again, I, I, every time somebody writes a, crazy overly broad privacy policy what they're saying is is we don't have any intention of completely screwing you over but if we do completely screw you over either accidentally or by gaining the intent attention later then we don't want you to be able to sue us over it so we'll write this in and and everybody does that which means that overton's window is completely covers that and therefore it just makes sense If you're a lawyer writing uh, terms of service and privacy policy to say, yeah, we reserve the right to do everything we possibly want. And you have no rights whatsoever. And you agree to this because you just click through these and don't read them anyway. So it's all good.
1: Right. Because everybody knows this is just cover your ass lingo that the companies have. And no, Can you imagine a world where you actually had to read and then pass a little test afterwards? about these privacy policies or you know any of oh, these God. user agreements I,
0: nobody I, I i like this world because nobody would ever sign on to facebook again
1: yeah they'd be like they'd be nah. like
0: ain't nobody got time for that
1: no <laughs> you know all the legalese is absolutely crazy the uh, i normally avoid the comments i mean i know you know there's always some uh, interesting stuff on reddit the mac yeah. rumors article on this whole audacity oh going to be good it was interesting cuz somebody was like
0: Interesting. You know, I, I'm, I'm suddenly reminded of uh, you know, what last year sometime when uh, John and Adam decided of uh, no agenda, decided that anytime somebody says something is interesting, what they really mean is this is stupid, but I'm too polite to say it.
1: Yes, well, <laughs> it is. In this case, uh, you know, comments like, oh, it's getting to the point where I think I should have a VPN active all the time, which seems you know like a reasonable
0: statement. I, I mean, yes but not necessarily for this reason
1: right you know well that's what somebody came back with it'll have no effect all a vpn can do is hide your traffic from your isp you know it's like okay yeah but that's also hiding your uh, and, ip address and, you know, from, from audacity your ISP,
0: from from their isp from from the you know all the man in
1: the middle attacks that oh yeah and then the next one that came around that was like VPNs technically decrease your privacy. Redirecting all of your traffic to companies run by the NSA, under the guise of protecting your privacy, simply makes it easier for the government to monitor your data. So that guy's totally convinced I, I, that all VPNs are yeah,
0: honeypots. He's really asserting that all VPNs are run by the the CIA. Uh huh. Which I'm okay. sure some are. You know, I, just, I have no doubt there are. In fact, some of the ones that 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 are are probably public and reputable are probably run by governments. And it's Uh, an intriguing concept, Chinese government,
1: same goals. Yeah. Well, it's a very intriguing concept, which is, well, people are going to do there. I mean, there's two different types of people that use VPNs and they overlap, but you have the one that are just privacy nuts who just want to do everything they can to be non-trackable. And then there's the folks that may be doing illegal things. Now, you can't really trust the VPN no matter what it is. As we've seen, honeypots have been busted. And we've know, uh, found the story a few weeks ago about the FBI that was running the big stings in Australia here and, uh, you know, other places. So it's an interesting concept. Like, I don't think all VPNs are bad, but, you know, if if people were to find out like Nord VPN or one of the you know top ones was, you know, just government run as nothing but a honeypot, that would be a really interesting story. But that uh, would be. And we would cover it here. Yeah. And uh, it would it would really change. The face of the Internet, I think, which I the reason I don't believe that is a reality is we've seen governments going after VPNs. I mean, granted, it could just be different governments going after VPNs run by different country. I mean, because Russia wouldn't like the VPNs run by the U.S. and The U.S. wouldn't like the VPNs run by Russia. But uh it's uh it would really change a lot of things if you knew there was no way to actually mask any of the content if every time you hopped on the internet it was all going to be easily tracked back to you i think the internet changes a little bit including social so, media
0: so uh to, to to drop uh you know in my in my uh tendency to bury the lead Yes. Um I haven't even dropped on you the most horrifying thing about uh the Audacity privacy policy change.
1: Oh, well hit me with the worst thing about the Audacity privacy policy Well, I don't know if change. it's the
0: worst thing, but it's the one that I decided to choose last because I do enjoy surprising people by burying
1: leads. Well, it's you, um, you have a you have a like a it's an ebb and flow. You want to kind of bring people in, you want to yes. make them calm and then boom, gotta, you pound. Yes,
0: gotta gotta get Carefully maintain that rage level. Yes. The app we provide is not intended for individuals
1: below the age of 13.
0: If you are under 13 years old, please do not use the app. That is literally what it says.
1: Coppa. Yeah. You can't collect any data on kids under 13.
0: And that, by the way, you put that in. If you intend to collect data that violates Coppa, that right there is the most damning thing. You know, when I said that, I, I, that, that Muse was not necessarily evil in this. You put that in there. The only reason that you put that in there, the only reason you limit your audience like that is if you intend to do something that would violate COPPA.
1: Um, well, and anything I, with the GPL license cannot have anything yes. like that in it.
0: And that a lot of people were very quick to point that out is that that line right there most likely violates GPL. Um, it, it and not only that, but, uh, it, I think, uh, uh, it probably also violates GDPR.
1: But now is Audacity uh, still claiming that they are publishing under these, uh, restrictions? Audacity
0: or? does, Audacity does not have a choice. The code is GPL.
1: Okay. So you can't now, so you cannot legally make that you, change.
0: No, they, they can't legally make that change. Uh, I, and I, I don't know if they're going to make it anyway, the legal system being as screwed up as it is, but, they, the GPL does not allow you to make that change. You cannot restrict your, I mean, the GPL is very simple. It says you cannot restrict use of your software to anybody for any reason. And that means that if you're going to be doing things that violate COPPA, uh, I, you know, if you're going to be collecting data that, uh, that would apply under COPPA, you're going to have to do it by following the coppa rules because you can't restrict under 13 from using. I don't know how many 11-year-old podcasters are out there using uh, well this look. software.
1: Hey, Fun Fact Friday, baby. Oh, that's right. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so they 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 exist. Leela of uh, Fun Fact Friday, she I mean she does the editing from what I understand. So I and I think they were using Audacity. I could be So wrong.
0: as you pointed out, um the you know, the first thing a lot of people are doing is forking this uh, I I went through the thread just in the audacity issue report. Uh, I went through and found links to six different forks uh, of the software already, um, which, uh, you know, the the one thing that Muse group owns is the name audacity. So many of them are already in progress of changing the names. We've got free odd audacium audacious courage. Uh, I didn't write down the other two, uh, but uh The uh, cold acid just linked in the troll room to uh, one of the forks that seems to be leading the charge uh, by a user called Cookie Engineer. Who?
1: (laughs) 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 All right, Cookie Um, Engineer.
0: They they have already started uh, with uh, some significant dev work only in the last two days to remove every everything that was was added in preparation for. Uh, any kind of tracing, everything that, uh, you know, everything that even looks like telemetry or reporting back, they're practically removing all of the network dependencies from this thing because they don't, you know, they, basically everything, anybody has whined about in any of these, they're trying to bring the code into a fork of audacity already. So, uh, at this point, watch this space. And if you are the kind of person who doesn't like the direction that audacity is going, um, I don't remember which one this was. I think they called this one audacious, but uh if, if you really hate what they're doing to audacity, this fork is already looking like it might be the solution to that. So we are two days past this story breaking and already because it's open source, because it's GPL and because it pissed off enough autistic privacy, conscious engineers, <laughs> (laughs) that a solution has already presented itself
1: yeah and there may be a lot of uh, these audio programs that start getting uh work done again where maybe people had kind of forgotten about it so it may be good um points out they use reaper and they don't edit anymore because they have hardware to fix everything i'm not sure you have hardware to fix whatever's going on over there
0: Uh, i just broke my coffee cup be right
1: back oh that's not a good thing to do Breaking the coffee cup here on Grumpy Old Ben. See, Metis, your your news was so so big that you don't use audacity and you don't edit. Bemrose slammed his coffee mug down, and that is yeah, that was, it could have been a rage quit, Billy Bones. You never know trolls, but this is what happens when you do live podcasting. The stories they get your ire up, you know. After a long holiday weekend, a little too much partying, I um. I mean, I didn't do any. I just I went to bed like at quarter to 11, listened to some Superman from uh, 1940, I think it was, They're little uh, like 14-minute segments that they do. I guess they were nightly back then. We need to do an audio kind of program like that. We need to do an old-time radio show. I mean, we got Fletcher. does a great voice. We got Dame Jennifer. We got Carolyn Blaney. We have Cold Acid in case we need an evil villain that sounds like Bill Gates.
0: I heard that there was going to be a morning zoo that included many of these same people.
1: Yeah, that's behind the vinegar book, though. Behind the is that the name of it? <laughs> that is behind <laughs> the vinegar book. Yes, that is the name of the show. Just be looking for that on your favorite podcasting apps available yeah. at apps. dot com. My
0: but, my my coffee cup, the one that has has been identifiably my coffee cup. It says. It, it has the word Microsoft on one side. So that I picked it up at the company store way back in the day. And on the other side, it has the, uh, the, the hexagon diagram, which is the chemical symbol for caffeine. Ooh. And it's, it's just the right size and shape that I just really liked it. So I've been using it day in and day out for probably a decade now. And I noticed a few weeks back that the handle was starting to get a little like you pick it up and you get a little tiny bit of a crunchy sound. And that meant there was a crack in it. And I just picked it up to take a sip and I went with the handle in my hand and the rest of the cup and all the coffee ended up on the floor.
1: (laughs) This is the Miami skyscraper, well, not skyscraper, but the Miami condo building all over again.
0: So I knew that the coffee cup was going and it's old and I like this cup and I'm going to have to find a substitute now, which will be sad, but I I have confidence I'll find a new cup. I am more bothered by the fact that I had a three quarters full coffee cup just go down my leg
1: Well, I mean, look on eBay too. You can probably find a replacement for the cup. I don't know if you can find a replacement for the leg, but I mean, I, I, it sounds like the coffee wasn't scalding hot. Otherwise, no, it, no, it had
0: been, it had been in the cup for since the start of the show, and we've been ranting for what forty five minutes now.
1: Yeah, we would have had but, a much different noise if it had been scalding hot. Yes,
0: there, there would have been a
1: noise in the microphone, like ah! See, this is why I use a Tervis tumbler for my coffee. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So the handle let go. Maybe I'll send a picture of this
1: cup. It's a cool looking cup and I need to send a picture before. Well, I you can still add- use it. I just can't pick it up by the handle anymore. You can add it to the chapters of this. This is podcasting 2.0, baby. Oh, that's right. Yes. Oh, I did. Uh, I did slip. Uh, I've been slipping in
0: URLs into like uh, we we had a conversation about show notes last show. And so I dropped a URL into the chapters file only because I don't for some reason, I don't normally publish where my show notes are, so that, that URL ended up being a, a link to the show notes page that I have.
1: So you're adding, like, Easter eggs now. In I'm adding too. Easter eggs, too. That, that yeah. is fantastic. There's Now, there will be things you can only find if you have a podcasting 2.0 app that will show you the chapters for the show while you're listening. Newpodcastapps.com. You can go over there and over by there and pick that up and if you're listening on one of those apps right now you cheap bastards boost send us some sats nobody's sending us any sats and we need sats lots of sats boost now yes
0: yes in fact go ahead and route through sir spencer's node and use up all of his liquidity
1: yes that would be the perfect way to do it um i mean it's kind of funny because dave jones from the podcasting 2.0 podcast with adam curry i mean they've talked about doing that on the shows they have the ability where we don't because we run through a third party to get the stats but they can see exactly when people do it and he mentioned the one show he was like boost now and somebody sent him a note like I I just did I didn't even think about it you said boost now so I just started hitting boost it's just like people are mind controlled you're like send us your money send us your money
0: they've got uh, uh, on the podcasting 2.0 podcast they've got the, the Dame Jennifer sexy voice saying it's time to boost.
1: Yes. And that encourages people to just start slamming on their phone like.
0: Well, it, it encourages to, to make that sound slamming on something. Yes.
1: <laughs> we need to boost. Boost and boost now. It's a, it's a part of the whole uh, party. Podcasting 2.0. It's getting some press. I like that. People don't really understand parts of it. Because the article, there was one and I'm blanking on where it was. I may be able to find it so you can put it in the chapters. Uh, uh, The uh, Tina, the keeper had posted the link to this article. And the first thing that made me cringe was that the podcast index. Well, what is the podcast index? It's kind of like (laughs) Wikipedia. And I'm like, okay, what? (laughs) Okay, first of all. Look at the two words: podcast index. index. They're not hiding what it is they're trying to do. Yeah, how would you describe what this is actually? This this, this project that you you're calling podcast index. I mean, what would you say that is? Be like it's uh, it's an index for podcasting. Oh, I don't I don't understand. Uh, so I was like, okay, I don't know if it's really like wikipedia except for the fact that anybody can submit information i get that part but i really would not describe that as not it's not even remotely like wikipedia you know there's a lot of other things you could say that people can add to but like just to to try to bring this my brain's exploding because this was the way this person writing the article decided that they could describe the concept of anybody being able to add information was you know it's like wikipedia
0: but Completely different, and then I mean it's it's closer to something like Open Street Maps. But uh, how about you call it? It's like if Apple Podcast were open,
1: that would make more sense. And then they went into the model of moving the sats around. You know that we were just talking about, and called that the value for value model was like, and the whole heading was like, oh, the value for value model. That is crypto. It's a crypto based, and I'm like, ah, uh, ah, uh, 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 the value for value model's been around. Long before people were really doing a lot of crypto. The value for value model has nothing to do with crypto. In this case, they're using crypto to allow people to easily share value back. But the value for value model does not rely on crypto being a thing. And it's just sad what journalism has gotten to. Even the people trying to be helpful. And promote this podcasting 2.0. Yes.
0: Well, welcome to 2007's No Agenda. Yeah. It's sad what journalism has got to. <laughs>
1: yes, we're right. See, this is coming full circle. We're just trying to pick up that baton and uh, and rant and rave yes. when these things. We just... got
0: we we got what what has quickly become my my second favorite review of of gob Ooh. on I I don't know oh it's the one where I I I haven't looked it up or didn't write it down but. Uh, we had somebody come in and say that uh, we had perfect radio voices. And by the way, I I definitely blame the equipment <laughs> and not my voice. But it's a but lot thank of I yes. appreciate and uh, said uh, that we are uh, what, what did he say that we are the same quality as no agenda.
1: Right. Is that yeah, what? Yeah, I said something like I wasn't expecting to find. He's like, I was needing shows to listen to. So I start listening to the shows that were done by people who are active on no agenda social the best place to be and get off of twitter it's the best social media out there and he's like well i wanted to check out those shows because i figured people that were on no agenda social probably had something interesting to say and he said while he enjoyed a lot of the shows he found grumpy old Benz was his favorite and he wasn't expecting to find a show at the same quality level of no agenda and i'm like Pfft. Wow. Well, I, I
0: certainly wouldn't add anything to the stream that was as, as good as our show. I wouldn't want them to stage us up in
1: the post-show slot. Right. You don't want to. Uh, I mean, the less the less uh, people out there competing, the better. But that, I said, was the ultimate compliment that if he wants to put us up there on a level. And uh, Adam and John have and, a lot more experience. If we, if we were much better organized and,
0: and more gracious, we'd probably mention who said that and
1: uh oh, we'd have to write things down if if there was a search function in the agenda social it would be a lot yeah. easier to find that as well but it was uh, it was very much appreciated it was a very kind compliment there were a few people that also mentioned listening to the show that I did with Larry when you were sweltering in place who said oh they now have added Larry show so there were some people that are grumpy old Ben's uh, yes listeners experts fans that weren't part of the larry take no shit dojo yet so it's i'm happy that we we
0: recently added larry's show to the stream back in 2019 it's been a while
1: but i'm I'm, not everybody listens to the stream all the time and you should i'm glad that we were able to uh, give some value back to larry and get some new listeners for him i'm glad him coming to you know take your spot spending a two and a half hours is at least getting him a few more listeners as well that's how this podcasting thing's supposed to work
0: and and it was quality content so i you know i i'm i'm not even jealous i should be I, you- that, that that guy he's got a much better voice than i do he'll take my job but <laughs> i i mean it was
1: good content it was good content and if you have if you didn't check that one out it was a couple episodes ago and uh it was a, it was a fun conversation it's always fun to talk to larry because he's not a ben so we don't really go into all the tech stuff and it was always nice to just kind of get off onto a little bit of a different a different train track for a little while and go into a different zone. And I mean, I'm with you. I could listen to Larry talk 24 seven because he's got that buttery voice and he won't take I, any I'm crap. Not,
0: I, I'm not sure he can talk 24 seven though. True. <laughs> I mean, you get, you got more out of him than I expected because you were, you you were holding yourself back. But uh, the, the guy does not have the tendency to butt in and interrupt like you and I do.
1: This is true. And you have to, I mean, I'm, I try to be more uh, in tune with that when talking to people that aren't you, because you've gotten into a lot of bad habits. Uh, especially when I was on Cold Acid and uh, Abel Kirby show Rare Encounter the other day, I was just like, "Okay, wait, yeah, don't interrupt." Yeah, you don't, you don't, hardly even
0: took over the show. What was that?
1: Don't interrupt. Uh, I'm trying to try not to interrupt. I mean, I do it when I'm on with uh, Hog Story because Fletcher's never says anything interesting, so I usually try to talk over him and then get Carolyn to talk more. But Uh, yes, you know, it's a it's a a juggling act.
0: So do you want to uh, do you want to join the rumor mill for a bit and talk about G. E. T. T. R.
1: G. E. T. T. R. I don't know what that is, but sure.
0: That is a new social network created by Jason Miller, who uh, every single story you're ever going to find about this is it's the Trump social network.
1: Except it's not according to Trump.
0: It, well, it's not because he has nothing to do with it. Jason Miller was an advisor to Trump, and then he created a social network. And and of course, every time that you've shaken the man's hand, you're forever tainted with the the orange stain that won't come off, I guess. And in the media, you are you are not Jason Miller. You
1: are former senior Trump advisor. Right. And he, well, remember, and, and they, he they, all these lefties wanted anybody that had anything to do with Trump. To never work again. So yeah, and and he started a
0: social media site, and and the the site they came up with, hey, we'd really love if Donald Trump would get an account here, which at, at least now what uh to what what are we thirty six hours after they've launched, <laughs> um pretty close 24, I guess or something yeah. like that. Uh, they they don't yet have a verified account with Donald Trump in it, uh, but they have
1: been hacked. Oh wow, that there was a target on them.
0: Within twelve hours of being up, somebody who uh, got in and found a vulnerability that would allow them to modify certain account details, and they targeted high-profile accounts. and And the uh, the MSN article that I read, uh, in, uh, Newsweek actually, uh, MSN just rehosted it. Um, the Newsweek article I read pointed out every single person who got hacked was a a somebody who had been on the Trump team. Well, of course, every high-level person who joins us right now was probably. In, in that sphere somewhere. But, um, what they managed to do was change a bunch of display names to things like, you know, hacker name was here and free Palestine and stuff like that, which I think is hilarious. And, uh, four hours later, they had it patched and everything went back to a backup or something. But, uh, yeah, uh, even if you are starting something for political reasons, you've got to have quality bends. You've got to get your tech right. And it looks like they just weren't quite ready to go primetime yet.
1: Well, a lot of people are not when it comes to the social media sites, because it's one thing to have your security pretty good when you're a target. um, no, you have to be perfect. There's not there's no there's no error that you can have that's not going to be exploited.
0: If the name Trump were not attached to this, there would have been uh, two orders of magnitude, fewer people trying to hack it. So the the fact that it got hacked is no surprise to anyone who understands that. I mean, yes, lots and lots of people, some of which might be uh, politically misguided, but are very smart, are trying to take this stuff down. (laughs) Yeah, it happened. Uh, The other thing that happened uh, later in the day, and this was all yesterday, which I think was their launch day. Uh, was that people who signed up for legitimate accounts, um, this is not this is not a hack, but the, the Newsweek presented is that and said, uh, well, it was flooded with porn, leftist memes and Hillary nude photoshops.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. that's That's not fair. And I have to say, I
0: did not go and look for any of this to verify. So this is all hearsay as far as I'm concerned, because I do not need to be exposed to that kind of extremist content.
1: No. And I mean, I didn't need to be exposed to it when Gwiff on the misinformed nation that you were on brought clips from the Hillary Clinton podcast where she was oh. talking about her day on January 6th that she went out for her walk. And then talking about being unaware of what was going on at the Capitol. I, I, I almost
0: rage quit that podcast at that point. <laughs>
1: I, could, I would have. I might have hearing Hillary that will do that. But she's like, I, I walked into the house and my husband said, come, you have to see what's on TV. And I'm like, just not what? say Bill. <laughs> Everybody knows who Bill is. Why would, why would Hillary Clinton say my husband
0: it's kind of like the, the audacity privacy policy. She reserves the right to have another husband after she's been
1: widowed. No, I will say, just to show you my wife's sense of humor, I, I told her about that clip. I'm like, and then Hillary walks in the house and says, you know, my husband, you have to come look. And she's like, oh, was it Huma? And I'm like, I don't know. Did Hillary and Huma, did they uh, get married officially? I don't think so. But uh, yeah, it was just a so, very yeah. weird, very weird language. And uh, as long as we're talking social media, Jack 5150 oh. is the guy a no agenda social oh. who really liked our show. And the line was, I didn't expect to find a show equal to no agenda. I mean, like, I'm just, I, am and
0: I, you know, I, you probably, depending haven't. on your, you know, <laughs> depending on your criteria, maybe that's true. And maybe it's, I, I don't care. I'll take it. I, it, it made me bask in, in the feeling of my ego being stroked.
1: We basked in the glory which is good because podcasting is a, uh, it's a fairly thankless job. We have a lot of great experts and we'll be thanking some in a moment. And we have a lot of people that so, listen live oh, when we do the shows. And oh, we're we not transitioning
0: them. experts already, are we?
1: No, we're not transitioning. <laughs> no, we're not transitioning. Yeah. I'm oh, just we're saying we're not transitioning. Are we? No, that's, that comes a little bit later. Uh, but we, but we, we can't talk. To,
0: I wanted to, I wanted to finish up the, the getter story, uh, with, with regards to all of the flood that they got, uh, They they very specifically in in an interview said that they are not going to remove all of the spam that they got on the site because of free speech. I think that that is absolutely the right argument is you don't you don't sit here and try to censor be even when people flood you with. Well, maybe the Hillary photos, but (laughs) when they try to flood you with porn and leftist memes, what you do is you bury it. You, you, you flood, you flood that out with good content. That's how you make it work. And I like that. But the company, uh, I they were quick to note, uh, does quote reserve the right to address content that comes to our attention that we believe is pornographic or offensive, obscene, lewd, lascivious, filthy, violent, harassing, threatening, abusive, illegal, or otherwise objectionable or inappropriate. So they reserve the right to delete anything at all for any reason.
1: Well, it's a um, simple thing, too. You can still like Twitter or No Agenda Social or Facebook. You can say, I don't want to see any more content from this person. Yeah, that
0: that's called block. And that that would be way too easy to give users the ability to filter content. That's also not satisfying to the people who really want the content to be filtered for somebody else.
1: Oh, yes. We must think of the children.
0: Yes. Won't somebody please. Anyway, so uh, it it really... I mean, this is exactly the same use case, exactly the same path that uh, that Parler went down. It's the same. I, 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 hey, look, um Getter launched. It's yet another uh, anti-Twitter Twitter clone. Um There are people who were quoted in the story saying uh, this is the Twitter killer. I don't know, but <laughs> there is no uh, <laughs> such
1: thing. It's, there is no. It's,
0: yeah, yeah, I, I, I welcome having more competition in that space. I welcome creating more places that you can go to communicate with people. Um, I hope that they stay more on the free speech side and less on the we reserve the right to censor anything we want side. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not seeing anything groundbreaking about this. I just. I guess I shouldn't have brought the story, but I had to bring it because so many people were freaking out about, oh, Orange Man has a social network when he has nothing to do with it.
1: <laughs> no. And I still think he is planning one, so he may still launch one at some point. I don't know what you do, though, to compete with Twitter and Facebook, except try to launch the clone, but the well, clones are never going to work. I, I, well, uh, clones
0: don't work for the simple fact that you the established thing is always better. And that means that the new thing never gets bigger. You, you can't clone. You got, always got to add something extra.
1: Right. That's, Which explains Silicon
0: Valley one oh one.
1: Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. that's just how Twit, uh, I was gonna say Twit talk, but I mean, they, it's cause so many girls are twit, twerking. Twit talk. Twit, yeah. Twit, twit talk. That would be that. Oh, see, that's somebody get that one. Twit talk, to That would be a great domain, but yes, <laughs> this is why now Instagram is changing to adding things more like TikTok. but TikTok became successful because it was different nobody that's ever tried the oh i'm going to take exactly what twitter is doing and just rebrand this as oh we won't censor you everybody will run to me because no they're not going to you have to offer something more social media is basically a cesspool i mean we see with no agenda social that the ability to run the huge network that can handle the amount of traffic like twitter has is very expensive it's not easy to make everything work and stay up 24/7 and we saw that with no agenda social they had to be capped at about 10,000 because it was getting a little bit unruly so these people that think they can walk in and just create a new social network and that they can handle all comers no no with the hillary pictures no pun intended <laughs> Probably not gonna work.
0: You know, Joe Biden said come.
1: He did. And then Kamala said, Please do, and then nobody did.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: That's why she so, went to the border.
0: <laughs> yeah. I got nothing else on that. Uh I do have uh I've got uh Comcast shutting down internet access to people.
1: Yes, which I thought com- this was genius. I mean, we talked a little bit around this concept not too long ago because of the fact that so many people want internet to be considered a human right which is why the governments given people if you don't have the cash they're paying for your internet
0: there there is absolutely no doubt especially in in the age of lockdowns that that the internet is becoming necessary for more and more Routine participation in daily life, which is is certainly not something we had growing up.
1: No, well, no, we didn't have the internet. I mean, we still well, somehow survived. Well, you might have for I, a, a few years. I I I
0: think the first time I signed into well, signed into FidoNet in eighty six, and the first time I signed into the internet proper was probably eighty eight, eighty nine. So, a lot of my growing up was done there, but.
1: That explains a lot. Yes, I'm just a millennial at heart. You know that. But there's always been questions on how the copyright issue is handled with the ISPs, with when uh, basically how this works normally is somebody that owns the music or the rights to a movie, they have, they find a torrent or they post a torrent of it. And then anybody that tries to download bits, they go after which is a practice that that is referred
0: to and as copyright trolling where you you post something to a web torrent site and whoever connects you subpoena their isp you know you you start the, the way this usually works and this has been done by some very well-published houses like uh uh there was one called prenda law and uh one called Wright haven um anyway uh the 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 standard operating procedure is they publish something that they're copy that they, you know they represent a copyright holder they publish something to a BitTorrent site for that copyright holder they get the IPs of everybody who tries to connect and download it and then they go to a judge file a motion against anonymous John Doe saying we have all of these IPs and we demand that you issue uh, an injunction against their ISP so that we can. Demand that they turn over account details and then the ISPs are faced with either they have to fight in court, not turning over the account details of somebody who was probably uh, some, some client a user of theirs who was probably pirating. Right. Uh, or they can just hand it over. And if they hand over the account details, then the copyright troll will will revise the lawsuit maybe they'll go through with the lawsuit but usually they'll just send a threatening letter that says we caught you trying to download the latest Nicki minaj video on uh, this uh, you know and you need to now send us fifteen thousand dollars in bitcoin or or (laughs) we won't unencrypt oh wait that's a different scam
1: yeah it's close though but it's very similar yeah the dmca letters go out and if you get Multiple strikes against you. I think they might still be, you know, very baseballish. I think it might be three strikes. Then there were times where your whole account would just be gone from Comcast, whoever, you know, was your supporter of your ISP, whoever was running your ISP at the time. Boom. They cut you off. But now we know that having the internet's a human right. So how do you keep people from pirating? And this is the first time I have seen this. Which is Comcast is trialing it seems because this seems to be brand new rather than totally disconnecting people going "Ah, we're going to disconnect you for eight hours and this is I don't think this is going to go well for anybody because I
0: I think it's going to generate a lot of hate and anger Um, I I I feel like it actually is uh, objectively more. Reasonable than saying we're going to cut off your access to the entire world permanently. It eight hours is enough to get somebody's attention and start a dialogue. Which, which, from the perspective of Comcast, I think is what they want. From the perspective of the copyright trolls, they might just be like, "No, we we want this person to just pay and shut up." But
1: well, and there's there's a multiple levels of issues. One is how do you prove who did it. I mean, this has been from the early Napster days. Sure, you have an obviously from the
0: IP address, right? Each IP is mapped to a unique person around the world, right? No, no.
1: I mean, it's, it's it. To be fair, it is marked to an individual account when it comes to your cable or internet provider, but you don't know who is logged in. I mean, it could be yeah. anything and, from the kids. It could be the neighbor who has your Wi-Fi password or, hey, maybe you're a moron and you don't have a Wi-Fi password. And,
0: and, and if you if you ask Bemlet about how many people come into his store uh every day and say, I need to make changes to the account and he pulls it up and he's like, well, the account is in your dad's name, which means your dad needs to be the one making the change. Well, yeah, but he he doesn't want to be bothered. Can I just make the change? No, <laughs> No, you can not lots of people put their accounts in other people. You know, the most common is, is the companies out there where, uh, you know, maybe I signed up for an account or something and then my wife wants to deal with it and she makes the phone call cause she's doing all the, and they say, Oh, well we need your husband to call.
1: There is nothing worse than that, is
0: <laughs> that. That's infuriating. <laughs> and you know, sometimes when it's important, she'll come and find me and put me on the phone and I'll just be answering like. Okay, what is so important that you need to interrupt me instead of taking my wife's word for this? Well, are you Ryan Berman? Yes. Okay, well, we just need to make sure you... Okay, great. My wife speaks for me. You can
1: write that down in the notes. <laughs> I saw, Talk to her. <laughs> that is... Okay, show opener one right there. There's no question about it. Oh, we already knew that anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I remember having to go through this, and it wasn't the worst experience in the world, so I'll give uh, Xfinity props on that. When my mom's cousin, who was you know around eighty something at the time, that was going into a little bit of the you know dementia, and we needed to make a change to her account, it, it it's very tricky to do this kind yeah. of stuff. And uh,
0: we, we went we went through this when my dad died, trying to go there. and and he was he was a boomer luddite who didn't even have that many accounts, thank God. But every single thing that he had signed up for, trying to convince them. Like, you know, I, it, yes, yes, he's, he's dead and I'm well, his son. We're going to need to speak to him. I'm trying to shut this down. We're like, well, if he, if he's not all right, can you, you need to fax us a death certificate.
1: Uh-huh.
0: No, how about we just stop paying you and you sort it out, okay?
1: <laughs> it would be better to go. Uh um, You know, at least they were able, in our case, to call her phone number and just get a yes. And that was all they needed to uh allow us to be on the account. You know, so we had, I got a good rep. Who said, I'll call and just say, oh, is this OK? And she was like, yes. And that's that was good. Because otherwise it's a yeah, it's a nightmare. And I understand why, because there are so many people that try to do scams by oh, getting yeah. people's accounts changed and all this other kind of stuff.
0: Sure. The the customer service lines are the primary vector for uh, the, the kind of a, a social engineering attack where you get you, you take over somebody's account by convincing someone that you're them on the phone. I, I understand that. and They have to be really careful. I, yeah. Anyway, um, so the direction that I was going to approach this Comcast story was from the perspective of uh, uh, copyright trolls and in particular, uh, some legal rulings that uh, the EFF at least think are fantastically bad. Um, and this this has to do with Cox Cable. Uh, do, you, do you have that or, or were you going somewhere else with the story?
1: Well, I just think that there's so many people attached to these connections and the internet being a right that if the kid does it, well, you're turning the parents off. I mean, I understand this isn't our only method of making a phone call, but we have a voice over i it, it p well service be the only
0: method people know about these days
1: well, you know we have a voice over i p service and you you have a you have a
0: landline.
1: <laughs> but it's over we, the internet. We heard it ringing earlier. Yes, it is, but it's over the internet. So I mean, it is. Well, yeah. You know, it's 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 one of those things where it's it's that gray area. But the reality is, if I pick up this phone that's sitting on my desk, which appears to be a landline, and dial nine one one, it is in the system, and they know oh, where to go. Now I'm just
0: going to go out on a limb here. If if you have a phone that when it rings you pick up, and part of it stays on the desk then you're a boomer.
1: Well, this is a wireless. This is still a, but I do have a, uh, in the other room, which I did run a, like a hundred foot of telephone cable from the office into the other room. So I could have the Mickey mouse phone that I had in my room as a kid. <laughs> on the oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, on the, uh, where all my vinyl records are sitting on top of that cabinet is the Mickey mouse phone. And that works. And when we were at my parents' house last week, we had an old uh, Garfield phone, which was also wired. So I got one of the little uh, wireless extenders for Uma oh, and plugged man. that in upstairs. So we have a wired Garfield phone, too. But they all go over yeah. the Internet. But the only good phones a landline and the phone should be made out of bakelite. Yeah. JCD said that. But think about that. You turn off my Internet and I'm having a heart attack and I go to pick up my Uma phone to dial 911. I don't have a connection. So this is not going to this this concept that they can turn people off for even a minute legally i do not think is going to fly at this point i don't know what they do for people that keep downloading and downloading and downloading illegally except sue them because you're not going to be able to turn their internet off
0: um i i think uh you know the, the comcast at least and and that's the only thing i can think of right now and and i don't work for comcast i never have uh and so somebody who does might be able to correct me but my understanding is that they do, in fact, keep the the switches for internet service and the switch for phone service completely separate. Yeah, but we're not, which
1: means we're that, not on their phone service. We're on UMA, which runs through the Comcast oh, internet service.
0: Um, does does UMA offer? Uh, do do they have some kind of uh, requirement about nine one one service? I I don't. I don't know anything about this particular one, but what I've seen Comcast actually offers what is supposed to be a phone replacement, which means they do. They make a nine one one guarantee. Yes. They say that even if you get shut down for non payment, if you pick that thing up and push nine one one, you will get connected, Uh, which is something that not everybody will do. And and I've seen places where they're like, this is your new phone service, but we recommend that you have another one because you will not be able to dial nine one one and be guaranteed this time.
1: Right now, I don't think there's any guarantee because they know they're reliant on you having an internet connection. I mean, we still have cell phones, but the reality is my main 911 would be through a system that if I was shut off via Comcast could impede the speed. This is what we
0: refer to as an unintended consequence of of the law.
1: (laughs) And this is what they're looking at because, again, this is why the internet is now being considered a human right. So this concept that you can turn people off no, now I'm right there with them that they could slow you down to a crawl because anything that is necessary can work on a crawl on a crawl. You can use a you can still make a phone call if your Internet was down to, you know, one meg down rather than the thousand that I have now. Um, so I, I have a
0: question. The the story about Comcast shutting someone's Internet down for, for eight hours. I did find that
1: story. But where where did you find it? Let's see here. Um Comcast as well. it was on Torrent Freak.
0: Okay. I found the Torrent Freak one. And the thing that that made me a little skeptical about this is that their entire article was written around a single screenshot. And I feel like this is short on details. Uh and I, I'm not going to necessarily say that it didn't happen at all, but uh how do we know that they didn't just throttle and say they were cutting something off for eight hours or eight
1: you don't unless they there's, have there's a, a lot of a info release. that I'm not
0: sure about there
1: because I think most everything I think it was also on dslreports.com I think that did link to the torrent freak article as well yeah. which is interesting with media again this is why we talk about trusting the sources and they, let's uh, just
0: say I'm I'm prepared for the possibility of learning that this particular one was uh completely made
1: up yes well we have to say that's true with almost any story that you can find because uh this seems like it would be a legitimate way that a company like Comcast would try to go. Because, one, they don't want to totally kick you off. I mean, the way things had been going, as I said, was you were gone forever. Your account was just gone. And then Comcast is like, well, then how do we get paid? So yeah. I could see where Comcast wants a different solution. And to them... This oh, yeah, seems- there's
0: the, the ISPs are are getting screwed in this. And, and it's hard to say that because ISPs tend to be giant corporations that you really don't want to have any sympathy for. But in the the copyright holders versus the little guy, the ISPs are being the ones wielded like a hammer. And I understand they don't want it to be there.
1: Right. They don't want to be in the middle. And if you are downloading things illegally, then you're not trying to hide your. uh IP address from uh, the world. You're dumb. Yeah. And and I have,
0: I have no reason to believe, I mean, this, this absolutely sounds like the kind of thing that, that Comcast would do, especially given the, the other story that I thought I was bringing in this uh, about Cox cable. But I, I, I just feel like the torrent freak did not, they didn't give me enough primary source activity to, to
1: let me be absolutely certain. This was legit. Oh, I would agree. And, uh, it'll be fun to watch this because I don't think you're able to cut anybody off at this point. This, the people are suing yeah. for the, if internet is a right, which I don't believe it should be, but that seems the, what a majority of the people feel now is people cannot even live their life without having an internet connection. Then, uh, you, then you can't cut them off. Although, you know, we have, although we're it's a Comcast cell phone as well, but most people have, uh you know, different ways to access the internet. And, uh, you know, if, if we got cut off, although again, if we got cut off from Comcast because they wanted us cut off, well, then our phones are gone too. We'd have to go out and get an AT&T phone or something else. Yeah. Again.
0: Yeah. If, if, if Comcast decides that you're, you know, going to be persona Grotten then <laughs> you don't have your phone. You don't have anything.
1: I'd like to be a person with cheese. <laughs> we all would. Uh-huh. Yeah. We all would. Bob, I mean, the intriguing thing as a, uh, As a side note to this is uh, BitTorrent twenty years old. The protocol, Bitcoin, BitTorrent just turned twenty, and it's still causing havoc around the world because that's uh, where this Comcast thing came from. Somebody was torrenting so bad,
0: and yeah, the protocol itself has uh, a number of very legitimate uses, and uh, the only one that I have used that doesn't have something to do with violating copyrights is, is downloading Linux software. And it, it's sad that that still see that, that piracy still seems to be the primary use of it because I would love to see the protocol be in use for a, a very large amount of transfers over the internet. I mean, how, how awesome would it be if say uh, a Netflix streaming video was delivered over uh, well, actually there, there are, There are Netflix competitors that are, in fact, delivered over BitTorrent, but again, they might not be uh, entirely legal. But it it, it the protocol seems absolutely made for transferring stuff like that, and it's sad that it has such a reputation for oh, only pirates use this because it leads to things like ISPs cutting, you know, filtering content, saying you can't, you know, we'll we'll cut you, shut you off for BitTorrent content, like. But I was just downloading a, a. you know, three dozen Linux distros.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, this type of concept, that's how I downloaded Adam Curry, the complete daily source code, which there it's up on, you know, the interwebs. If you can find the seed and it was for the, uh, um the other like BitTorrent. there was the, what was the alternative type of BitTorrent, uh, But that was up there. You can find a lot of good stuff. Yeah. So I want to take you, I'm
0: going to, I'm going to power through this story. Uh I'm going to take you back to 2018. Uh, with a copyright troll called Rights Corp. And in particular, there was a lawsuit filed uh, that was called BMG versus Cox. Um, I, I described to you what the copyright trolls do. They they identify an IP, then they get a court to force an ISP to give up the name, and then they file, you know, they'll send out demand letters. Um, but in this particular case, Cox actually refused to forward the demand letters from the copyright troll, Rights Corp uh, saying that these were only accusations and not proof of infringement, which is absolutely correct. Um, they ended up having to go to court. BMG versus Cox. Was it, uh, and, uh, during discovery, they got a whole bunch of internal emails from Cox, including internal emails that, uh, they, that the judge determined proved that Cox knew about repeat offenders amongst their uh, ISP users and did nothing about it. And, uh, the, the case ruled that Cox lost its safe harbor because they knew the infringement was going on and therefore, uh, the copyright troll did no, no longer needed to go through Cox. They just sued Cox and managed to get their payout and went away for a year. Um, that was, that was a background for a 2019 case, uh, Sony versus Cox, where, um, Sony and and uh, uh no, I didn't write this one down either. another copyright troll uh sued Cox in uh eastern Pennsylvania and a jury found them responsible for, quote, willful, vicarious, and contributory copyright infringement. And they said that they enjoyed a direct financial benefit from that infringement. Uh Sony's experts testified that Cox tolerated the allegedly infringing behavior, had the ability to terminate the accounts and didn't and therefore awarded Sony $1 billion in damages billion with a B that's a lot. So um, there's a few things wrong with this, but they appealed uh, to the U S district court. And uh, I'm going to write this guy's name because despite sounding Irish, this guy sounds like a total douchebag Uh, district court judge, Liam O'Grady cited BMG versus Cox said that Cox does not have safe harbor but uh, and I got this from the EFF and I kind of agree with the ESF's analysis. Uh, the two things that they were caught for were willful in copyright infringement and or willful vicarious copyright infringement and contributory copyright infringement. So we went ahead and, and checked out what this means. Contributory infringement is if an ISP knew that a customer was infringed, by the way, not proven because just IP addresses, but they were they were accused over and over again. And I guess that's proof in today's day. Um, If they knew that a customer had infringed, but did not take quote, simple measures to prevent it, then they're guilty of contributory infringement. So, uh, uh, judge O'Grady determined that, uh, having multiple accusations against a customer was meant that Cox knew that they had infringed Uh, again, not proof in my opinion. Um, and, Judge O'Grady also determined that they did not take simple measures where the only measure, according to the lawsuit, the only measure that Cox had was to terminate their account completely. Um, that is apparently a simple measure, according to Judge O'Grady. And Cox didn't do it, which is why they were guilty of contributory infringement. Um, vicarious liability applies if you supervise the primary infringer, for example, uh, if the primary infringer is your employee and you ordered them to do it, then you're guilty of vicarious liability under the DMCA. Makes sense. Uh, O'Grady decided that Cox was apparently in a supervisory role over these BitTorrent users and had the the right and ability to supervise the person. I don't know about you. I don't want to be supervised by my ISP.
1: No, that's why I use a VPN. And I'm just looking at the troll room, wondering who's going to make the supercut of you saying Cox, 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 Cox. But somebody (laughs) certainly it's hard. It's hard (laughs) to talk about an ISP and not say their
0: name. Just letting you know,
1: somebody will definitely do that. And we will appreciate that. But so the reason that I am so
0: cranky about judge U.S. District Court Judge Liam O'Grady is because if this precedent stands and and. It is, it seems likely that the, the cable company, which I'm apparently not allowed to name, is going to try to appeal this to the Fourth Circuit, uh, Court of Appeals. Uh, if the precedent stands, if the Fourth, Fourth Circuit doesn't take the case or they rule on Sony's side, then what this means is that ISPs will always be required legally to terminate an account once a user has been accused, period. It, because otherwise, Uh, you know, this precedent means that if, if you are an ISP, uh, this precedent says that you supervise all of your users and that a simple measure to respond to an accusation of infringement is to cancel the account. And if, if you're Comcast and, uh, this, this happened, by the way, the, the one thing I would point out, Comcast is based in Pennsylvania and, uh, Liam O'Grady is a district court judge who presided over this jury in Eastern Pennsylvania. Um, So this case in 2019 happened where Comcast is founded is, is headquartered in Philadelphia. I am not surprised in the least that if, if this case is now the, the case law in Eastern Pennsylvania, that Comcast is going to sit here and go uh, accused of copyright infringement. Yeah, I guess we have to terminate your account. So if, if they only did it for eight hours, I feel like they, they held back.
1: Maybe. But, I mean, you're right. You can't tell by an IP address who actually committed the offense. We've talked about the device, the Winston privacy device, now dead, but no, it's still working. So not dead, but the company pretty much, where they don't allow large files through it, but you can definitely get pinged that somebody was going to a website or something like that. So I don't know how that might react with people using... uh that device or devices like it. The issue is you don't know who's connected to somebody's Wi-Fi. So if you have, you know, if you have kids or your friends are over, and one of your kids' friends or one of your friends is on your Wi-Fi and is downloading illegally without you knowing it, I mean, that's the best place to do it, people. If you're going to a pirate, go to a friend's house. And use their connection that way. Or just
0: connect to your neighbor's open Wi-Fi because you've always got that one neighbor who doesn't lock anything down.
1: It's also the way to do it. And that way they get in trouble and not you. And and,
0: and there have, in fact, been cases where somebody was accused of copyright infringement and they said, well, my Wi-Fi is open, which means anybody could have driven by on the car and used that BitTorrent. And they, the, the judge accepted that. So maybe there's something
1: to it. There. I can understand because that's at least offering an easy, uh, an easy explanation, you know, guilty with an explanation. Sure, it was on my IP, but I don't lock anything down. I'm an idiot. So that just makes it easier to do that. But so that's the one aspect of it. The other is when something is done over BitTorrent, is it infringing until you download the whole file? Because if you just grab a small portion of it, that's not, you haven't really grabbed any copyright work, have you? I mean, those all have to be put uh, together at the end. And uh, it, it, I'm not sure I would want
0: to test that theory. I court. do.
1: I do. Cause it's like, oh, I accidentally started that torrent. I wasn't going to download the whole thing. I was just testing. Yeah, I was just testing my connection.
0: Well, I'm not certain about the technical details, but if you only get a partial, can you reassemble that and get audio? Because there have also been, Uh, a copyright uh, cases where they determined that only what was it? Six or seven seconds worth of audio was enough to demonstrate copyright infringement.
1: Yeah. Which is why you don't see people clipping stuff on YouTube videos and stuff like that. There's a guy that does a bunch of music, like a daily music show where he interviews a lot of artists. And when he talks about a song, I mean, it's like a three second clip when he, you know, just to give people like, oh, this is the song and then plays like three seconds and that's it. Because if it's any longer they' yeah. they're going after you. Well, the the other thing
0: that a lot of YouTubers have figured out is if if you're going to be playing any kind of song, talk over it. Right. Because that at the very least makes it a, a derivative work with a substantial change to it. If If you play it without talking over it then you're just reproducing the work and it's harder to make the, the case of fair, fair use.
1: But. Well, and it's harder for the machines to pick up a match. if Well, that's also true, you know, cause they're looking for a hash. They're not magic. These things that tell you what song you're listening to. So it, it's an interesting argument and they've been going through this for how many years now. And I think piracy is way down. So I don't know. It seems weird I, that this is the time. I think time. it
0: is. Too. Streaming has finally made it convenient to, get things legally when it's available.
1: Yeah, and I will say that uh when it popped up on my screen the other day like hey, do you want a free month of YouTube Premium? I was like, you know, the ads are look- getting so damn annoying because we I watch w- on the Roku. When I watch on my laptop or the desktop, no ads. And I know I could hook that up to the television as well, but the Roku's already hooked up to the television and I get it. It's nothing but a uh, ad device tracking device but it's run through the winston privacy thing so it's all good i don't care that the roku's doing the roku thing but i don't want to watch ads on youtube
0: nobody should want to watch
1: ads no and there are some things that i like watching including the professor of rock whatever adam reader is the guy's name that does the shows on youtube and there's nothing worse than watching like a 20 minute episode that's you know an interview of some rock star that you like and like every eight minutes they're cutting to commercials you know it's it's a pain in the ass so I'm like oh sure I'll try yeah. I'll try the one It's
0: unwatchable yes I, I know lots of people have figured out how to divide their attention it, it, unwatchable
1: it is but it is unwatchable
0: it, it, if you if I may request that you allow me to rant briefly oh okay uh, I want to I am going to make a case in favor of piracy over streaming services
1: um, the floor is yours
0: <laughs> you may recall i i mentioned uh months ago that i was uh working my way through a show called uh, stargate sg1 because i had really liked the stargate movie way back in the day roland emmerich really great director uh but well okay that that's not true roland emmerich was great with that and then and then 2012 and day after tomorrow happened so i'll take that back but um then they did a spin off and uh they had MacGyver taking over the role and uh, richard dean anderson and he is uh, he he was great i'm not going to say he's a great actor but he was definitely great in that role so i liked the show and i was working my way through it and i had said well i'm planning on going through all of the stargate shows so i was watching sg1 on netflix And somebody pointed out to me at the time, they're like, well, if you go look on Amazon, uh, Stargate Atlantis is there and Stargate Universe and all the other Stargate shows. And I'm like, cool. So I'll get to it. Um, I don't binge watch things very well. I'll watch a couple episodes a day. So 10 seasons, nine seasons, whatever. It took me several months to get through. And. I finally reached the point where the overlap happens between SG one and Stargate Atlantis, where the spinoff show had started. I think the season eight, nine, whatever. And I was thinking, well, what I really should do is watch them in production order because the two shows reference each other. Right. Right. So I go in and I look for Stargate Atlantis. Oh, sorry. It's not available. Apparently it was up available for streaming. Now it's not Available for streaming. Thanks, streaming services. You have just made me decide that I want to to pirate Stargate Atlantis. Which, by the way, <laughs> if if you know anybody, catch me after the show. Um, but because I it, it, it was available, I was ready. I was all set to do this. And then it disappeared from the service because of some idiotic contract that Amazon had with some copyright holder who wanted to hold out for more this show is almost 20 years old 15 years is how old the show is and yet you can't get it because they have decided that some copyright holder wants the rights for some pla. i don't know what i do know is that if you want your streaming service to have parity with the primary competitor which is piracy then your shit has to be available and. And, and taking a show part way through watching it or right before somebody's out and be able to watch it and say, Oh, we're sorry. We're never going to stream this again or, or, you know, wait until the, you know, two more years or so when the freaking contracts come up. I, 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 I can't do that. I, so. I managed to watch SG one right up until the point where Atlantis started. And I don't know if I need to continue watching through the end of SG (laughs) one without being able to watch Atlantis. I mean, you know, first world problems. I get it. Yeah. But I'm sitting here going, this is absolutely why piracy is still convenient because I can watch what I want. And all of these stupid streaming services that say we've got huge
1: libraries. Yes, but you still don't have what I want to watch. And you had it a month ago. Yeah. The content changes. That's how uh, Netflix ended up spending a lot of money for one more year of friends because they went to pull it. And everybody's like, only in like the fourth season. And they, of course, wanted to watch all the seasons. And they were mad that they yeah. were pulling and it. There's a lot of it. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I know people who are like, oh,
0: yeah, I'll just binge watch a season in a day. I'm sorry. My mind would leak out my ears if I tried to do that. I don't I don't <laughs> watch 26 hour long episodes in one day.
1: And the overlapping
0: shows like that
1: are in fact, my evil. wife,
0: when she wants to binge watch, she's, she binge watches at two X speed and, uh, and, and cuts forward when she thinks it's a boring part, but
1: okay. That's a whole different issue that needs I, I uh, can't,
0: I can't, I literally cannot do that.
1: <laughs> no, that, that would blow my, uh, that would blow my brain cells out. But the shows that do these interactive, you know, crossover shows, it's the reason why when uh, Chicago fire came out, I thought it was a pretty good show. We watched the first couple of seasons and then Chicago PD came out and I thought that was a decent show also on its own. And they start doing episodes where they would cross over because they're like, Hey, hey, we're in the same city. We have characters that overlap. This will be great because it gets people that are watching one to watch the other. If you're not watching both. And I was fine with that.
0: Crossovers are awesome right up until you screw somebody by saying, Oh, this content is unavailable.
1: Well, what they did is they added, okay, it went from fire to Chicago police, and then they added Chicago Med, and then they added Chicago something else, and I just went, screw you, I can't watch this. I stopped watching them all because of the overlapping arcs in the stories. I'm like, no, keep the, keep, keep them yeah. out, one, just keep one show to itself.
0: Yeah, I, I watched... Uh ncis a while back and uh it it was a little bit difficult to control the urge to be like oh look they're spinning off another ncis and they even had some crossovers with the like what are there like 12 different ncis cities now it's ncis fargo or something
1: but (laughs) there may um, be but i know what i think new orleans just ended i haven't watched that one in a couple of years i
0: don't know that's the one my mom or mom jesus that that lisa was watching whoa that's a there's a slip (laughs) Sorry, Lisa. sorry lisa
1: Yeah, NCIS was a spinoff of Jag. Cold Acid is right on yeah, top was. of that. And Jag, I think, was a better show overall. But uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, it was. It was all the same producer. Um, in fact, I think it was the same producer as uh, um, uh, what was? What did he start with? Uh, Quantum Leap?
1: Right. Yeah, which uh, was a good show as well.
0: Yeah. Well, they, I, I think that you know, when I realized that, I went, "Oh, that totally makes sense. That's why he was so. It was so easy to get Captain Archer." As the uh, the guy in NCIS New Orleans.
1: Hey, I loved that people thought they should make a, uh, like, one last episode or something of, uh, you know, either at the end of Star Trek Enterprise or to make one more quantum leap and have that have been, you know, to show that that was just him jumping into that character. <laughs> like, oh, that's that was awesome. mind blown, man. You talk about either Felisario, one.
0: Belisario, that's his name.
1: Yeah. The fans would have either loved that or hated that with a passion, which is
0: kind of <laughs> and, television. And both reactions would get them
1: to watch more, so they should have done it anyway. Exactly. Exactly. As long as you don't have to watch the commercials. So that's. Oh, my
0: gosh. Okay. Before Quantum Leap, Belisario, who did uh, NCIS, he did Quantum Leap before that. He did Magnum PI before that. This guy's a god.
1: it's <laughs> a lot of winners. There's no doubt about it.
0: Uh, I'm still not going to watch all of the NCIS. There's too goddamn many of them. and They're all the same formula.
1: Oh, they are. And we talked about that in one of the first Grumpy Old Ben, just the very formulaic nature of those television shows. Because you're like, you don't really even have to pay attention to them because, you know, if you catch it within the first 15 minutes, they're doing this. If you catch it within like the next, they're doing this. And and
0: that's why I was able to watch. I I watched like 12 seasons of NCIS. I don't know how many there are. I I quit. But um, because it was. It was, I need to focus on coding on this screen, and I just need some noise on the screen on the other side. And I knew damn well that, like, I don't have to follow the plot because it's the same plot every episode.
1: Yeah. The main characters usually aren't getting killed, although NCIS killed off a few. A couple. But, um, and then when they did, people were like, ah!
0: Yeah, well, and it was always, always in a season finale when they did it. Yes.
1: Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> he they understand the uh, the the cliffhanger thing. It works. The cliffhanger works. So uh, I mean, I was a team two. Wow, oh the a team. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Well, here's here's a question for you. What color was the a team van?
0: I you're asking a colorblind person.
1: <laughs> okay. See, without with that said, though uh, it doesn't. You're not relying on that particular. It had a
0: red stripe on it. Right. It's the only thing I care about.
1: Now, the reality is most people, and I was one of these people, believe a uh, seat. NetNet says the van was black and red. Uh, cold Acid says black with a red stripe. And that is not entirely true. It was black on the bottom, but a dark gray, right? Silver on the top end, which most people think it was all black with a stripe. But when you go back and look at pictures, it's, it's very much the, uh, the Mandela effect because I would have sworn (laughs) it was all black. And I think the Hot Wheels, you know, van that I had as a kid was probably all black because it was easier to make. And maybe that was a part of it. But I would have sworn that it was a completely black van with the red stripe. But no, it was a silver or dark gray top with a black bottom. And once you go back and see pictures, you're like, that doesn't look right. (laughs) And I don't know how that happened. Our brains are very interesting. Organs. So, lest you
0: think that uh, you know all copyright regimes are completely awful, I wanted to pull one more copyright troll case. Uh, this one from the EU. Uh, this one was uh, Mircom versus Telenet. Mircom is a uh, a copyright troll from Cyprus and Telenet is uh, a, a ISP from Belgium. Uh, Mircom sued Telenet for the identities of users that are alleged to have shared via BitTorrent using, uh, they used a third party provider because there are, of course there's companies out there who will service to provide a service to copyright trolls, to run a BitTorrent honeypot and then provide you the IPs that of course that exists in the microservices world. Um, Miracom then, uh, you know, they sued, went to the the EU Court of Justice and um, the Court of Justice CJEU ruled that Miracom was behaving like a copyright troll and told to stop it. Uh, They said they ruled that the request for information must be non-abusive, justified and proportionate. So somebody in the EU at least has some common sense, much Better than, you know, Judge O'Grady in eastern Pennsylvania.
1: Well, I think it's just a lot of people don't understand the technology. They don't understand what's going on. They just go, oh, somebody said piracy. Oh, boy. And then they, they snap to it. And without understanding how it works, without understanding who has access to the machines on that network. I mean, for most small businesses you have one IP address that can then be split between hundreds of people. So that would just be like, well, we're going to, we're going to hold the company responsible. It's like, and I mean, there you may be a little more because you can block and you could say your it guys are responsible, but for most well, this, residential buildings, a lot of the uh, I think apartment buildings sometimes are sold as, you know, one account that are then split up and it gets really complicated, really fast when you start dealing with Wi-Fi. Not knowing who's connected to your machine, to your router, either intentionally trying to do it because that's how they know they should be downloading the pirate content. Or you live in an apartment building or in an area where there's are so many Wi-Fi hotspots and they aren't locked down. My, I mean, devices here constantly go to one of the different networks. It's just depending which one's the most powerful, wherever the thing is at that particular time. Sure. And
0: uh, m- most devices do.
1: So that uh, makes sense. You know-
0: this this by the way the the corporate aspect of that that's why corporate dudes named Ben get paid the big bucks.
1: Yeah, I mean, I noticed every now and then my phone was on the Xfinity hotspot in the house rather than just going direct through my Wi-Fi, and they're all free, so I don't notice. You know, it's yeah. just you know you're basically I, I, on I, the yeah, guest network. I,
0: I mean, as soon as you get into the Internet of Things story, I've got a I, I've got an IoT rant for for later, but. uh, as soon as you get into the Internet of Things stuff, most of these, uh, you know, a lot of them, like you plug in a smart TV and it's uh, it might not even ask you. It'll just be like, hey, we detected an open Wi-Fi nearby. Let's connect to it, which is uh, it might be sketchy because that open Wi-Fi not, might not be yours. But right. a lot of I mean, a lot of devices are there. They want convenience. They want to be easy. They want to be take it home and it just starts working. And when you put that juice maker on the counter. And it just starts working and connects automatically to your app. Who's going to question that? Oh, which which Wi-Fi account is it attached or network is it attached to?
1: There's a lot of people who don't even know how to find out what they're attached to. So it's just there is that if it's working, they don't pay attention. And can we can we just spend like three minutes blasting Kim Commando? Oh, please. Because I ran across this on the Fox site, which was, oh, no cell strength, best way to boost your signal strength when your calls won't go through. And I'm like, okay, yes. what everybody kind of... Everybody boost. <laughs> yeah, everybody boost. What kind of uh, horrible information will be here was my thought. And this is what I got. The first thing, rule out the basics. Make sure your battery is fully charged. <laughs> it's actually... It, says, uh, uh, make sure your phone is on. Kind of. <laughs> it, it, the The line was, a fully charged battery is your friend. No, it's not. It's a fully charged battery. I have friends. (laughs) They have nothing. They're not batteries.
0: Judging only by the meme screenshots I see on NAS, nobody keeps their battery fully charged.
1: Well, you're not supposed to. I mean, if you charge only like 80%, your battery will last exponentially longer, you know. Allegedly.
0: I don't don't know. With these lithium ion batteries, I thought that the, the end of life was always when they turn into a giant pillow and inflate your phone.
1: They could be blowing up at any time. That's possible. So yeah, okay. There's that, and then number two, try the good old IT standard, which of course turn it off and on again. So <laughs> yeah. that, they're actually saying if your cell stri- signal isn't strong enough where you are, reboot your phone. Okay, I, I hate that this works, but that absolutely works. Really, it's you somehow get more bars by just my rebooting. Android, yeah. Why?
0: When I go over to Tony's place, my phone will go into a fast usage mode, and I don't know what it's doing, but I think it's like connecting and reconnecting or something. And if I reboot the phone, then I get a lot more battery life, and I get uh, a lot more cell signal. Because of course he lives out where there's no civilization, so
1: it won't, yeah, maybe it's something to do with the Wi-Fi trying to connect or something like that. I don't know. Well, I, here's
0: here's my tip: if you're ever uh, like on a road trip or on the move, is shut off your Wi-Fi. Oh yeah, because one of the things that destroys your ability both to stream and have any battery. Is if you've every time you drive past a Wi-Fi network, it spends time trying to connect
1: to it. Yes, because it wants to use that rather than your cell. And it's like, oh, I got what? No, gone. And if you're an Xfinity customer, there's oh, hotspots yeah. everywhere. And it's actually connecting, which I turn off mobile data because I don't want to use the mobile data. And it's amazing just driving around town how much the phone still beeps with, oh, here, somebody posted a no agenda social here. There's a new email. It's because you're driving by a hotspot long enough for it to connect and get the data to you.
0: Yeah. But activity pub is, is, is bursty. If, if you are going to rely on that and I've had this problem, it's really hard to listen to grumpy old Ben's on the no agenda stream. Yeah. If, if you're, Bouncing between Wi-Fi. So if, if I'm, you're trying like to do it
1: live, but you can download yeah, the I'm whole trying, show.
0: Like if I'm, if I'm in my car and I'm trying to stream the live, no agenda show, I go all mobile data right. because I, I bouncing between Wi-Fi. It just, even if, if Wi-Fi is just on, then it's stuttering and it's stopping and it's pausing and it's buffering because it, the Wi-Fi appears and it connects and then it tries to prioritize that. And then it disconnects and it tries to remember. And then it reconnects. And I'm like no, just it, stop Wi-Fiing me.
1: You mean you don't use a if this then that script that says if I'm more than a block away from home to turn off Wi-Fi? I do it manually. Am I really that dumb? No, that's actually better. But that's uh, your old school man. Uh, the third suggestion: if you're not getting a good signal, this is this is revolutionary. Find another spot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is this is what passes for good advice from Kim I, Commando, it, but it is good advice. It's, it's obvious. Yes, it's obvious. And people it's should
0: sh- should chalk it down to common sense. Yes, but maybe people are maybe their target audience is dumb enough not to think of these
1: things. You know, you're right. It isn't bad advice. It's obvious advice. If you have a weak connection, change your location. Some building materials yeah. can function almost as a Faraday cage. Okay. Now, so now, if you have if, to tell people to go to a new location. <laughs> do you think they know what a Faraday cage is?
0: Come on. They might know what a, know what a wall is. Yes.
1: What's a Faraday mom. What's a Faraday cage?
0: Uh, yeah. I, okay. Now I'll change my opinion on this. If, if we get all the way to the end of it and it's like, talk to your cell company about installing a 5g tower in your
1: attic. It's worse. Number four is boost your signal with a cell phone booster, which you know um, I've seen these things years ago. You put them in the okay. window or something, and then they broadcast your.
0: I've never seen one of those work well.
1: No, I well because you actually have to have it somewhere that it gets a good signal. Which if the problem with your house is there's no good signals, you know, I rarely. Would these things work unless you could put them on top of your house or something like that? Um, They do then suggest switching to Wi-Fi. There are some cell networks that say, hey, if you don't have a good cell tower.
0: Switching to Wi-Fi doesn't actually make your your over the air signal better. No,
1: it goes around it. Yes. It lets you make the call, but it does not make your cell phone signal better. Right. So that is when your headline is the best way to boost your signal strength. This is boost. This is turning it off. But what she ends with is something that I wanted to uh, put out to you and the other dudes named Ben listening, especially the ones live in the troll room, because this I didn't understand. I I want it to end with put your phone in the microwave. Well, maybe Uh, because number six, the headline was communicating at 40,000 feet. And she says, quote, now, this tip won't boost your signal strength, but it might help you get a message across in an emergency.
0: A cell phone booster works at
1: 40,000 feet.
0: How how does that even?
1: Well, there's no booster, but this is what you do. And according to this, this just seems like somebody making up like Obama with all the Sally Muck and Futch letters that was always like, hey, a girl just wrote me a letter that said this and I'll tell you why I'm a great president. Well, this seems like something she may be making up just for the article because. So well, you're
0: saying that Obama wrote this article?
1: It may be. That's possible. Yeah. She says in the article, quote, I was on a plane last week flying from Santa Barbara to Phoenix. There is a part of the desert where the plane's Wi-Fi drops out for about seven minutes. My mother was in the ICU and the hospital needed my permission to do an immediate procedure as I am her power of attorney. With no Wi-Fi to make the call, I opened the voice recorder app on my phone and recorded a note giving the required consent. Fortunately, I was able to text the recording to my sister at the hospital. Who played it for the attending physician? So I'm just kind of curious if you don't have any connection. If you if you're not connected, how do you? Yes. How are you texting? I
0: mean, And, and and if your mother's in the ICU at this very moment, like if they have scheduled the surgery and you scheduled yourself to be on a freaking plane at that moment. That, that, there there was a logistical problem well before your phone cut out.
1: And there's only a seven minute window where the plane doesn't have Wi-Fi. So how does this magically happen? Yeah. And that's that, like, <laughs> take a later flight, take an earlier <laughs> flight and
0: tell them to, to hold them, hold the freaking phone for seven minutes. What?
1: Yeah. I just, I didn't understand. That is a stupid scenario. <laughs> like, okay. So you record a voice message, but then you text it without having, I, I don't know.
0: Ah, uh, Yeah. we should ask our experts this
1: yes experts please help us because i i read that and i was just like i think my brain's going to explode because one the whole story doesn't make sense and two uh, why would you even add this into a column about boosting your self yeah this is what you Uh, get in crappy tech people
0: that this is what you get when when you pay tech writers by the by the blog post <laughs>
1: by the word, right? I need, I need a few I don't more even words think it's
0: by the word, by the word. You end up with Greenwald. <laughs> I, I think it's by the post. Maybe you um. end up with, with vapid, useless information. Like let's what, what's the most obvious commonsensical thing that I can go ahead and, you know, get a, a t- get $10 for spitting an
1: article out about. Yeah, that may be the case. I just want to know how you can text an audio file without any connection. If any dudes named Ben know that magic. Feel free to. Uh, uh, I to reach mean, out.
0: MMS will will send an audio file. I but I you still need know. a connection. Well, uh, yes, MMS is limited by the fact that if you have no connection, it won't send
1: things. You know, unless somehow she was connecting to a cell phone tower at forty thousand feet over the desert, which seems unlikely. She
0: probably, uh, was connecting to the I don't know. Maybe there was another customer on the or a flyer on the plane who had a. A satellite signal or something stupid. I I don't know.
1: <laughs> Anything could happen. I, the, the
0: entire scenario was so idiotic and contrived. Well, what if what if they have to do surgery right now while I've scheduled my flight? And like, well, then then you did something stupid.
1: And they somehow got the message to you a split second before you hit the magical seven minute yeah. window of no connection. It's a dumb scenario. And I then she knew that there was a seven-minute window of no connection. So don't
0: know. I, 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 you cannot in 2021 be telling me that you actually expect the blog writers and, and people who call themselves journalists to post useful and awesome information 100% of the time.
1: No, this They're, was awesome. I mean, I thought okay. it was hilarious. Not useful, though. Yes. No, not useful at all. But what is useful is having experts on the show because we work on the value for value model, which has nothing to do with crypto. But, yes, you can use crypto. So, I mean, wait, I guess that means it has something to do with crypto, but it doesn't rely on crypto. We put the shows out there. No, our show relies on crypto. We do for more content. If if
0: there wasn't crypto, what would we complain about all the time? Oh, that's a good point.
1: But we don't have a paywall yet. I mean, we talked about that on the previous post show. We need everybody to start turning more people on to Grumpy Old Ben's. Hit them in the mouth. Kick them in the nuts. Let them know they should be listening to Grumpy Old Ben's as their podcast of choice. And uh, that would be appreciated. But We do rely on people supporting the show monetarily to keep the microphones on the connections going. I mean, I know no agenda. JCD's connection went bad again. Just like two days after getting a whole new hardware bit put in to take care of that.
0: But yes, uh, I don't I don't know what exactly is going on. Like he has two ISPs, which if if you have to be online is is a great option. But I, I don't understand how he has so much trouble. I don't know. I, I, don't, think, I, I don't know if it's wiring or if, if Comcast is just awful in that area or, uh, yeah.
1: The NSA has him tapped in a not Because I, I, I tell way. you what, one
0: of my two ISPs here is Comcast, and we do not have these problems.
1: Yeah, pound on that, baby. Uh, Knock we, on wood. We do have two executive producers for today's show. The first is our buddy, Sir Lee Mofo, coming in with double nickels on the dime, $55.10, with a note that says, you guys are the best. Hope you keep on keeping on. I mean, unless we. Unless we're in the it. pro Yeah. If, I mean, if we're, if we're in the process of turning it off and on, I mean, for a brief moment, we'll be off. But then we'll be back on again. Well, we might keep on turning it on. Keep on turning it on and then off and on if there's a problem. It's the tech way of doing things. Well,
0: he's right about one thing. We are the best.
1: We are. Yes. At what? The I best
0: don't... at what? I'm not going to specify.
1: Or, or speculate. We yeah. We don't want to speculate on what we may be the best at. But we appreciate that, Surly Mofo. And then coming in all the way from Finland with $50, it is Sir Sammy, who says, ITM, GOB, stay grumpy. Don't don't tell us what to do, Sir Sammy.
0: Yeah, screw you. I'll be grumpy on my own time.
1: (laughs) Memrose is always grumpy, especially. That's that's my secret. When uh, Well, the the more the temperature rises, I found in the uh, Great Northwest, the grumpier you get, because before this little uh, spell, you really never reported the temperature in your room nearly as much as you are now. <laughs> I, I,
0: normally, I have some control over the temperature in my room. Yeah. Like I said, I have a very effective thermostat. If I want it warmer in this room, I put fuel into the wood stove. And if I want it cooler, I don't put fuel into the wood stove. That is how I control temperature. And it's generally very good. But it has a slight problem that it doesn't handle days when it's over 100 outside.
1: But you, no, you could still put wood in the stove when it's over 100 outside.
0: Yeah, but my my method of keeping it cool, not putting wood in the wood stove, isn't helping.
1: Oh, did you try when it was that warm, putting wood into the wood stove? It might have had a reverse effect.
0: You I hadn't tried that. <laughs> next time. <laughs> yeah, I'll get back to you next life.
1: <laughs> Coming in at 11:11, 11, 11, David Hagland came in via check, which we appreciate cuz that nobody takes a percentage between you and us and that is greatly appreciated. Lavish oh, came and, in. Yeah.
0: Oh. I'm sorry. I I was just going to go ahead and and because you seem to expect it, I was going to report the temperature and the reason why I am in such a happy mood today is that it is currently 63 degrees in the room where I'm sitting.
1: Ooh, finally. It's been a while since it's been under 70 in that room.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's foggy outside and a little bit overcast. And I'm at some point, the fog will burn off, and that horrible yellow thing will come out and try to kill me again. But right now, I'm pretty comfy.
1: Yeah, it's almost always the little lamp on my desk here, which has a little uh, thing built in that'll tell you the temperature. 68 degrees. That's about the way we like it here. Sometimes cooler. But usually not warmer than that. But Lavish came in with ten bucks, which was during our post show on the last show, and his comment was just work, 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 work. So I guess he wants us to continue doing the work. I, I, or maybe I'll, I'll start he wants one us of these to days. To go to work, he's like, no, I, go work. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I mean, I at some point, maybe I'll start working. We're we're gonna try,
1: <laughs> maybe maybe one day and uh, we had some requests for people like, well, where are the, uh, the post shows posted? It's like, well, they're not yet. I mean, there were two of them that were posted from a a long, long time ago. And we posted those just to see how the whole thing worked over.
0: Most uh, of our post shows are just random conversation between you and I. That happens to have a troll room listening in and and trolling us.
1: And they aren't normally posted anywhere, either to Patreon or to our servers. They're recorded. We,
0: we, we try not to say anything important during the post show. And it's pretty easy when you don't say anything important during the main show either. Yes. But no, we don't, we don't publish our post show because it's just shooting the crap. I-
1: yeah. And maybe something we will do. It would have to be on a completely different RSS feed. I mean, we have the bandwidth to do it on the host. I just don't know if there was really that much of a need. We don't want to, I mean, nobody is missing out on anything right now. The only two that I posted up on Patreon We're to test the Patreon private RSS feeds and see how that works, because that's when you do the Patreon thing, when you upload things there, that's how your patrons get access to it. They get an RSS feed that is specific to them. So that way, you know, if they stop being patrons, then all of a sudden they no longer have access to that feed. But I mean, the stuff is still there. So it's only so much protection and it's the way the paywall crap works, which we don't love. But as we talked about on the show post show, the last show, we talked about our buddy Carl that does who are these podcasts, who does use Patreon for a couple of extra shows a month and is making about six thousand bucks a month through Patreon. And that's Just a lot more by. than yeah, that's a lot more than we are. And I love the value for value model. But the reality is there are other models, and we've talked about that in the post show. You know, there may be other things to look at in order to help this become a more viable show for, uh, you know, keeping us able to buy food and have a roof over our head and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, so
0: so basically what we're saying is that if y'all don't step up, we're going to take grumpy old bins behind a paywall <laughs> and probably make even less money than no.
1: Yes, you never know. That's that's very much not what we're saying. No, but we're just you know we're putting it out there that we need more people hitting the mouth. And cold acid points out there are competitors to Patreon, including something called Subscribestar, Star. Which yes, yeah, we're not married to any one concept. Yeah,
0: Subscribe Star is where I get a lot of my. Smi- I, I'm I mean I, I hear it, that it's another alternative. Hey,
1: as long as it's a place that don't censor. They'd be good. But coming in at $10, our buddy Stanto, all the way down in Aussie land. And as always, we'll give him a fuck cancer. Uh, We appreciate his support of the show. So we've got uh, uh, Australia. We got Finland. We got the United States. We're all over today, which we appreciate. And coming in with another check for $6.96, Betty Solero. And we've seen a bunch of that. She's working her way to be a damn guru. Oh, yeah. Yeah, her name pops up quite a
0: bit, and I I absolutely approve. Thank you, and we appreciate so, that, Betty. Yes, much thank you to Sir Lee Mofo, Sir Sammy, David Haglin, Lavish Stanto,
1: and Betty Solero. And you too could be a part of the fun by going to GrumpyOldBenz dot com slash donate, where you can. I didn't click give that.
0: away too much that I just read. That did I?
1: No, <laughs> yeah, well, you, reading comprehension. I mean, you're getting better. At least the modem squawk hasn't ruined your reading comprehension yet but you go Not to grumpy oldbenz.com slash donate click the donate button if you want to do that one time or a monthly monthly through PayPal you can use the QR codes and the addresses if you want to go the crypto route or you can use the old-fashioned po box address to do checks whatever I mean Midas sends weird stuff in the mail you got to be careful but all those options are right there grumpy oldbenz.com slash donate we appreciate everybody for supporting the show and for Helping us spread the word by telling friends, hitting them in the mouth, kicking them in the nuts, you know, turning off, turning their uh, hard drives off and on again or whatever you want to do. Get them listening to a grumpy old Ben's. Maybe we need to do a uh, a McAfee kind of thing and create a problem that only grumpy old Benz can be the solution for.
0: I'm I'm not sure that I want to follow McAfee's path all the way <laughs>
1: into the Spanish prison, though. You, you want to stop a little bit before then? Well, I do
0: like the idea of not paying taxes, but getting on Hillary's hit list may not have been the right choice.
1: No. I mean, I like the idea of having a super yacht that you could just cruise the uh, the seas I, with.
0: I like the idea of having a super yacht, too. Yes. 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 And I don't uh, even accru- need to cruise the seas and be just like, yeah, I could just hang out in the harbor here.
1: <laughs> well, no. See, then you're still <laughs> under the, the jurisdiction. And, yeah. You need to get out into uh, however far it oh, is yeah. now. For I,
0: I mean, I'm just going to hang out here 12 miles off the coast.
1: Right. You know. You don't need to just come in for the things that, as long as you don't have a warrant out for your arrest, then you can just do whatever you want. You can come in. I know of. Right. (laughs) Not yet. Uh, As a callback to a story, we talked about the new Apple tracking thing, which was asking people, you know, if you, every time you were using an app now, at least when you start using an app. Oh. The, the Apple
0: tracking thing. You need to be more specific than that. Right.
1: The fact that they're pretending to do some good work. Yes. And yes, Facebook was yeah. all mad because now if you go to your Facebook app, they're like, do you want yeah. this app to continue tracking everything you do or would you like to opt out?
0: Well, and, and I don't know if there there was a, a massive technical benefit to using this, but I can tell you that anything that pisses off Zuck can't be all good bad.
1: Well, the early numbers are in. Do you want to guess what percentage of iOS users opted out of the advertising? I would say 96. 67. Oh. So there's a lot of dumb people out there still who aren't opting out. But because of that, that's down about a third ad spending. I I doubt there's any correlation here, but ad spending was down one third between uh, uh, May and June. It's so. well,
0: such a shame if if companies like Facebook and Google suddenly took a two thirds hit to their revenue.
1: Yeah. the compl-
0: Wouldn't that be terrible if they had to maybe spend some effort into uh, developing new business models rather than than putting all of their effort into censoring things for the world?
1: Yeah, and as it turns out, the less data that the advertising companies have on you, the less money they can make. And they're complaining about that because, you know, if they know everything about you. They can charge the poor suckers like us who, I mean, I'd love to be able to go and run ads for grumpy old Ben's, but running ads that say, well, okay, just run this ad to everybody on your service is relatively cheap. But if you start going, well, you know what? I want uh, mainly men between the ages of 20 and 50 who uh, listen to no agenda and uh, own a, uh, a cell phone and and go off the grid and you start giving all of this data now that ad starts becoming a lot more expensive per person because they know that you're going to have better success with those ads with well, the more know, data you have
0: well you yeah. don't know anything with targeting advertising
1: the guess is in the overall yeah. yeah i mean carl with a k where are you buddy come on and talk to us about this again but uh, I, mean, I think this is a a good thing i'm still uh, not sure why people the third that haven't opted uh, you know out of this why they haven't if it's just lazy or they don't understand it or you know you just you have a uh, i guess fatigue when these things pop up on your screen like do you want to allow this you're just so used to yes yes yes
0: remember that at least in the case of facebook right before the apple prompt pops up they have a facebook prompt that says you're about to be asked if you want to stab Facebook in the balls. And <laughs> right. if you do, then you lose access to all of these features that you don't really want. But we've convinced you you do.
1: Yes. If you hate Facebook and want us to have to start charging for this, then say no on the next prompt. Yeah. What? Sounds about right. But that's, yeah, how, that's, something, something. that's how it goes. <laughs> but I mean, maybe that's why there are people that haven't opted out of it. But uh, it is changing the way advertising is being done. There's no question I, I am all right with that. yeah,
0: as far, as far as I'm concerned, I'm generally in favor of of anything disruptive because it, it's the, the the engine behind the all of the good parts about capitalism is you need a constant flow of new things coming in and changing stuff because eventually you settle on the things that work. And if you ever get into a point where disruptive technology and disruptive business practices are not allowed which, of course, is the goal of any long, large, established company with too much money and access to lobbyists. If you ever get to that point, then innovation stops and it necessarily becomes bad for the end users, bad for the public and ultimately bad for the economy. So, yeah, I favor disruption.
1: Yeah. Uh, And another story we had, which this uh, has Facebook problems as well. Oh, Actually, this is more of a problem of Facebook world problems. Yeah this is more of an Android problem. Google intervenes, the article says on the Hacker News, to remove nine Android apps that have been downloaded more than 5.8 million times from the Play Store after it was uh, realized that their main reason for being in existence was stealing people's Facebook credentials. (laughs) Yeah. 5.8 million
0: downloads. Yeah. And by the way, number one on that list was an app called
1: Facebook. Well, see they steal it already. That's even more which, which exists for stealing people's Facebook credentials and everything else. Yes. You know, apps such as PIP photos, processing photos, rubbish cleaner, oh which is a great yeah. one. Horoscope daily, inwell fitness, locket master, horoscope pie, app lock manager. So yeah, there's these little, you know, apps that come out. The photo stuff is very easy to do. Because I mean, it's not is, hard to create an app that does a little something and makes your photos look different and then add a little extra to it.
0: I mean, when when we talked uh, a month or two ago about the, the fleeceware apps that were going crazy in the Apple App Store, we were speculating that something like this probably existed on Android and we just didn't have articles about it yet. And I think that we're starting to get articles about it because we knew we knew that, you know. A People trying to scam other people is certainly not limited to the iOS platform. It's a feature of people on. Yeah, Yeah, it was out there in Android. This is apparently the first of many stories that we're going to hear about it.
1: Yes. And it's common for people to be like, well, sign in with Facebook. And people don't think anything about putting their Facebook credentials into an app or a website that's not owned by Facebook. And if you do that for anything, I mean, Facebook really kind of who cares. But don't fall yeah. for this when it's your bank.
0: And and by the way, let, let me give you a little bit of a technical primer on how that works. Uh, the way that it is supposed to work is it's it's a system called uh, I, I I think this is OAuth. Um, yes, where you you want to when it when you click the button that says sign in with Facebook. The way it's supposed to work is you get a little iframe or a sub window or something that opens up an API in Facebook, then. Facebook asks you for your credentials. You give them to them and then Facebook will provide the site a token that says, yeah, yeah, they, they signed in. It's all good. And then the site only has that token. The site doesn't get your credentials or anything like that. Right. Now here is how you do this. If you're a site with no scruples and uh, a penchant for sc- a phishing attacks. You put up a UI that says, "Enter your Facebook username and password." Then you store that in a database, and you freaking keep it, and you sell the database for millions later.
1: Wait, and you don't like even a better bother plan. checking Facebook. Yeah, that seems like a better plan.
0: <laughs> and and maybe for the purpose of looking all legit, you even forward those credentials onto Facebook later and get your token anyway. But you don't need the token anymore because you got their credentials. You got the username. I. I, I I know how the OAuth is supposed to work, but if you're on somebody else's site and you're, it doesn't say HTTPS, Facebook.com at the top or Google.com at the top, like you're entering your password into someone else's site. What they do with that is entirely up to whatever they decide to do with it.
1: Right. Not terribly secure. No, which is why any good password manager will warn you. I mean, one, it automatically only pulls up things when you're on the correct website, meaning, yes, my bank password's not coming up unless I'm on that site. Now, if their domain gets stolen, I'm screwed. But that a lot of people are all all of
0: this gets DNS hackery will will mess up a lot of these for security (laughs) in depth.
1: Yes. This is why, though, two factor authentication is getting more important that, you know, your name, username and password alone. And I hate two factor authentication especially for stupid sites like Facebook and you know Gmail that you only use once a year or something like that. But the reality yeah. is if you want to keep them from getting hacked, the
0: two factor authentication can take several forms. And some of them are not terribly awful. Um, you, you, if, if you want me to use an authenticator app and it's something that I need to log in securely to, I'm generally willing to put up with that. If you want me to use a captcha, you can F off and die immediately. Um, you know, there's other methods.
1: <laughs> right. And I mean, there's there's a lot of hatred out there for anybody that even asked for an email address after Adam Curry recommended the Neva search. I saw a bunch of people that were complaining, especially Paul, the book guy was like, oh, I have <laughs> they want an email address. I'm not. I, how, they, the, Adam really recommended this.
0: I mean, that's pretty much what I sounded like on Friday when I said I'm a little skeptical of, of their requiring an email address.
1: Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's easy enough. Get a ProtonMail address and attach that to it. I mean, don't. get <laughs> And I mind. think I suggested Hotmail. Yes, yes, you did. Because you'd love use of Hotmail. <laughs> um, but, you know, yeah. this is the case. You know, they're trying to track the. I mean, I understand. I have
0: relatives I'm not going to call out who still have an AOL.com address.
1: Damn. Probably your mom would be a guest. <laughs> the uh, there are not ways. Not my wife. Right. <laughs> Well, you get confused, too, between those. The uh, reality is there are a few companies, I'm sure, doing this. One of them was Mulvad VPN, which didn't even ask for an email address, which also makes it, I think, a little less secure because you don't have a username and password there. They just give you like the 30 digit, whatever it is, code that is your account name, account number. That sounds so secure that
0: you you won't ever. Nobody is going to be able to get that from you unless they get a picture of
1: the post-it note you have on your monitor. Yeah, I don't know exactly how that works. I'm sure if it gets compromised, they just give you a different number or something like that. But there is no email to attach to that account, which is good. But if anybody that's taking payment, you're usually going to have to attach something to it. You know, unless you're doing crypto which, uh, you know, has its own issues as well. But I didn't have a big problem with it having to tie an email address to it because they're a paid service, which means they need a way to charge you. Now, they could have done the Mulved thing, and maybe they will because it's a new company and they haven't really worked all the kinks out yet. Maybe they'll look at something like Mulved and be like, well, you know what, if you really like our service, we'll give you three months free, and then you can send cash in. You don't have to give us an email. We'll just give you an account name. And number or whatever, and that's how you log in. But you know, I, I didn't think that was that big of a deal. What else you got?
0: Me? Sure. Uh I got well, I'm I'm trying not to look at the time. We're we're over time, but that's that's normal for us. Uh the only other thing that I have is a uh an interesting result from Northeastern University about what happens when you're done with your echo device. Ooh.
1: I mean when you like have to get rid of them, exp- yes. dispose of them. So,
0: uh some researchers from Northeastern University did a study where they bought 86 used Echo Dots <laughs> from from eBay from uh, you know auction I'm, I'm not sure exactly how they got all of them, but they managed to acquire used Echo Dots over 16 months they got 86 of them. Uh they also a cre- bought um uh six brand new ones so they could add to it uh, because they, they, what they were trying to do was determine exactly what kind of information was available. And the 86th was to see what's going on out in the wild. And the six was so that they could put information in and then use the techniques without violating privacy rules to find out is the information really in there. So uh, some of this is extrapolating because these people seem to think that ethics would prevent them from really invading the people's privacy. However, what they found, the very first thing was they checked each one of those 86 Echo Dots for, uh, did the person, when getting rid of them, uh, you know that the device has a, a mechanism, it's a step that you can take, called a factory reset. Correct. It is the thing that says, we want to nuke all data on this device and take it all the way back to what's in the
1: factory. Right. And remove what it per- from my account.
0: Yeah. What percentage? of Echo Dots of the used and and discarded ones do you think had been factory reset
1: now they're buying this on eBay so I'm assuming the it's, it's hard to say because if they got this from a company that was supposed to be fixing them and refurbishing them then they don't care I'm guessing the number is going to be pretty low um between 5 and
0: 10% I uh, they well they were getting them from eBay uh mostly I I'm not sure if there was a refurbishing company or what uh 38%
1: OK, so that's more than I would have guessed. a little
0: a little over one third had been factory reset.
1: Now, for those what, who aren't the, familiar with the device, that means if somebody bought that device and it wasn't factory reset and your account information was still on there, the minute yes. they plugged it in, it's they, still
0: provisioned. It's yeah. still attached. It's still attached to your account. It still has all your Wi-Fi passwords. It has your router Mac address. It it has your Amazon
1: account credentials. Right. You we'll be on that. You you can if, just if say one the, device order 10,000 large condoms and that whoever you got that device yeah. from <laughs> it, you can,
0: you can plug this thing in if it hasn't been factory reset and you sell it on eBay, you can the next person can plug it in, say, you know, A- Alexa, who am I is probably the easiest. It's going to give your full name, Ooh, but, um, yeah, I, when, when they're not, when they're still provisioned, um, you can, uh, you can control smart devices. You can create orders. You can query package deliveries. You can use a feature called drop in, yes, which is I didn't know about this feature, but it, it you can say something like uh, Alexa, drop in on kitchen, and if you have an Echo in the kitchen or or you have a, a a smart doorbell or you know maybe your smart fridge has a speaker on it, you can start talking out of somebody's
1: fridge. Well, it's beyond that. If you have family members or whatever, and it's set up, if you say drop in on mom, <laughs> we'll go and start up a uh, a connection so you can hear what's going on. It doesn't have to be and in I'm the same sure it location
0: mom all over the house. So it just turns on whichever device is nearest, probably all of them. But
1: uh, yeah, that's uh. see now that this makes me want to buy used devices and just start going like, you know, drop in on mom, drop in on dad and see uh, <laughs> yeah. see what kind of information you can get.
0: I, I 61% of people didn't even perform the factory reset. But let's talk about the ones who did. Um by uh you can uh, where where the, heck? I I just lost my place in my notes. Um so first of all, when you do that factory reset, uh if you are not connected to Wi-Fi when you do the reset, it doesn't do a full reset. It will wipe its cache and it will wipe uh, uh, most of its its current information. It'll it'll usually wipe the things like Wi-Fi. It will keep the credentials because if you're not connected to Wi-Fi, then the device is still provisioned. It's still attached to your account. So um,
1: wait, wait, wait. So you're saying if you unplug this device and do a reset without it being on Wi-Fi, you can't really erase you can't, everything. You, you have can't to have erase it everything. Okay, you can't you erase have to everything. Use the it's app. still on
0: your account. You have to be plugged in and attached to Wi-Fi when you do the reset. Fun. Yeah. Uh, So they found that of those uh, of the percentage, uh, about a third of the ones that people had tried to reset um, had their cash wiped, but were still technically provisioned to somebody's account. Um, by the way, when you plug in a provision device, and this is why provision is a concern here, yeah, here is what you get to do. What what we said already, the control smart devices, create orders, use drop in, um, it, it, by the way, it does have logs where it will log to your account, any activity at the new location. But if you want to keep that secret, you can use voice commands to delete those logs. Um, so we're good there. Uh, Alexa does not give out its owner's physical address, but. They were able to find previous owners' addresses by things like what restaurants, stores, or libraries are nearby. Um, it will—the uh, uh, the thing remembers any nearby SSIDs from Wi-Fi accounts, and you can use the Google localization API to usually pinpoint where that is. Oh, even more fun. Yeah. Um, and even if you did reset this, what they found was—and this is a little bit more technical, so it takes somebody a little more sophisticated— but um they found that if they even the devices that had been fully wiped in the way that Amazon recommends, um they disassembled the device and pulled out the NAND chip on it and forensically examined it. They were able to pull from a completely wiped factory reset device, they were able to pull Wi-Fi credentials, physical locations, uh details on any other IoT devices in the home, including door locks and cameras. Even after a factory reset, in some cases, depending on the brand, and they didn't say which brand this was in the Ars Technica article, um, they were able to still still had the credentials necessary to activate the door locks from a device that had been factory reset correctly. That was not provisioned that had been wiped because the NAND flash uh it, it, you know, NAND is it has a limited number of wipe cycles. So, in by default, the operating system doesn't delete things; uh, it just invalidates chunks of memory until uh, a significant portion of the block, and then it wipes the block once. And uh, that that's great on on keeping your hardware life cycle. Not so great if if you just have a bunch of invalidated chunks that all have valid data on them. Wow.
1: Well, I mean, here's so, the thing: all you have to do now is you have a friend that got one of these devices. Be like, hey, if you ever want to sell that, let me know.
0: Yeah. And and then you 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 have access to all kinds of things like ordering stuff for them. Uh you know, send me send me twenty boxes of condoms, thanks. Right. Uh, or the
1: opening you, the door lock, that is huge. Opening the door lock
0: or, or or at the very least, if you want to mess with somebody, you just be like, Yeah, drop in on Fred. Right. Okay. And then you haunt them.
1: Now I mean, <laughs> this is one of the reasons why having a P.O. box is a great thing because if you sell anything on eBay, so if you're selling one of these on eBay and you wipe the whole thing, if your return address is on that box, then they're going to know exactly who you are when they pull that data off and be like, "Oh, now I've got their Wi-Fi credentials or the you know, the credentials to open the front door." Um, not good. Not good. Yeah.
0: So, um the the reset, by the way, on, on the devices that they found had been reset while not connected to Wi-Fi. Uh, the devices, like I said, were still provisioned, but the memory had been, quote unquote, wiped um, in that memory. They, the researchers were able to receive the Wi-Fi, SSID and Mac information of the router, which, again, using the Google API allowed them to pinpoint the location um using uh, uh, other information. They were generally able to reconstruct the person's name on the plus side. If they did not have the, n- if they weren't able to get the name, then they couldn't get the Amazon credentials and couldn't necessarily order for you. But the device is still on your account, which means that if they can get that information, like through other means, social engineering, whatever, then they can use this device because it's still on your account. And therefore, you can go back and, and do all those things. Um, the researchers, uh, they oh, they also pointed out that uh, there there is a difference when you do this with the Echo Dot, uh, when you hold the reset. Be careful because there are two types of reset. You hold the reset button for 15 seconds and it's going to flash. That's a Wi-Fi reset. That only clears your Wi-Fi passwords. You have to continue holding for another 15 seconds, for a total of 30 seconds, in order to do a factory reset. And they said that there were a number of devices they found where a Wi-Fi reset had been done, but it looks like they didn't hold it long enough. Nice. So the recommendation of the researchers, they said, uh, you know, what can Amazon do to fix this? Well, the the NAND flash issue, they said that the best option for Amazon is going to be encrypt the user data partition. Uh on on because that would pretty much defeat most of the the techniques where they just pulled the memory chip out. Um they said that all of these things required you'd have physical access uh, to the device. But, uh, as far as I'm concerned, you know, that can happen anytime the device leaves your house. Is, is it, did, did you sell it? Uh, did you, did your roommate sell it because the roommate wants to get rid of your crap because you keep leaving it around? Did, did, did you move out of the basement and your mom got rid of it? And she doesn't know that she has to turn it on, attach it to the Wi-Fi, and then hold the reset button. So she just gets rid of it. That, I mean, I, there's lots of scenarios that can result in this problem to happen. You know, did, did, I, did it just somebody walk in and be like, I bet this can resell and seal it. They're, they're easily pocketable. Um But the recommendation, you know, the recommendation that I would make is if you are planning on getting rid of this, the factory reset is an absolute minimum, but maybe just don't resell it. Like if, if you have an echo dot and you're done with it, Take a hammer, destroy that NAND chip. That might be the only way to keep yourself safe.
1: I don't even know what you could get for it because I think they were selling the new ones for like 25 bucks. (laughs) So it's not like you're going to make a whole ton of money on this. I'm more thinking of what kind of nefarious things could be done with us buying a bunch of old Echo Dots and adding something to them and reselling them. Like, what could you add to that thing that will totally screw somebody's home Wi-Fi security and send everything back to you? And I mean... Buying this well, I mean, kind of you, stuff on the internet—it's
0: it, 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 patchable, which means I imagine it's probably possible to uh, add malware. I mean, this this went outside of the study, but
1: yes, but that's—I like, like, don't know if I would feel safe ordering anything like that through eBay. Like, ooh, buy, buy a used dot. It's like, I could buy them new for yep. twenty-five bucks. So, I mean, uh, not,
0: not, you sound like the the people who go on eBay and be like, uh, you know, box of used USB sticks.
1: Yeah. Ten bucks. (laughs) I mean, I did buy uh, two for the UMA phone that we have because I need my parents. were going to move them over to UMA finally because they're paying AT&T like way too much, like 100 bucks a month for two lines. It's like, get rid of AT&T. They are evil. But uh, I needed one of the devices that would make a fax machine more or less into a wireless phone. So they they're basically just little boxes that you plug into the wall and then they turn them into a deck six. So you could plug any wired device in like my Garfield phone. And you could just plug any wired phone in and it would put this on the UMA system. I wanted one of these for them. They normally sell for like 40 bucks or maybe it was 50, maybe 40, whichever. Then UMA was out of them. Amazon didn't have them, but somebody was selling on eBay an UMA business device with two of these things included for like 50 bucks. And I was like, all right, I'll buy that. It did save some money. But now I'm wondering, you know, what could have been added into these devices? Uh, To be fair, they don't connect to the Wi-Fi, so there's a lot less they can get. But if it was something that connected to the Wi-Fi, I wouldn't be comfortable buying like an Amazon Dot or one of these devices that had been pre-owned by somebody. Because, you know, you could add a whole lot of fun stuff into a payload into one of those devices. The Everybody in the troll room is probably already thinking like, there's a good idea. Then send them to somebody like, really? Can you imagine? You know, would you trust somebody if if you just I mean, one, I know you hate these things by default from,
0: uh, you know, I'm feeling exposed to extremist content right now.
1: Yes. Now, if if a package showed up at your house from me, like, hey, Ryan, here's a free echo dot for you, even if even if you didn't hate the things on their face, would you trust something that came from me that was obviously, you know, shipped from me, not from the company direct like, hey, Ryan. I got this it, device. Is, is
0: this a trick question? Because remember, I get part of my income from you. <laughs>
1: That's true. But, uh, it all depends. But I'm like, yeah. I, I mean, I, you
0: know, if I got something from from uh, cold acid or Bluetooth or some what, are the trolls? I've been looking at it. Go like, uh, well, or or you know, if if something arrived from Metis and it looked like a, a Biden challenge coin. Oh uh, wait, that did.
1: Right. Well, meet. No, uh, it's better. Metis sends you a thing and it's like, here, I set up a lightning node for you on this Raspberry Pi. <laughs> Hey, hell no. <laughs> You're like, I'm not plugging that in. What do I look like? I was born yesterday. No, uh, we, we had a story about
0: that a week or two ago. Wasn't that, uh, you know, here, take this device. Here's a replacement device uh, for your your crypto wallet. Just enter right. your 20 words into it. Right. There you go.
1: Exactly. It's exactly it. Do not trust gifts from me, or anybody else without uh, being able to confirm what is and what isn't. On the device,
0: the phone boy is threatening to show up on my doorstep, and he's close enough he might be able to do that.
1: He'd be jogging by. He'd be like, "Hey, what
0: up?" Yeah, during the length of the average grumpy old Ben's episode, he probably could run from Gig Harbor
1: all the way to Everett. But you could you could scare phone boy away just by like waving cheesecake at him. He would run in the other direction. He would not want anything to do with those carbs. That'd be a lot safer too. A lot safer. A lot healthier. And uh, so, always beware of these devices. I mean, it's that doesn't surprise me that these devices, when they uh, originally designed these things, that they didn't go to that last step of like, hey, you know what? People are probably going to want to sell these or give these away at some point. Uh, how do we protect their privacy? <laughs> I'm sure that uh, was
0: speaking as as a a software developer and a, a product. It, it, no, they never. They don't think about that. In fact, the only thing we're thinking of is, is cross my fingers. I hope this thing boots this time. Right. And, and, and maybe as far ahead as, as when somebody who isn't me boots this, are they going to be able to get through all of the crashes that I know are still there?
1: <laughs> uh, Digi Guru says he has an Echo Dot device that will connect me directly to Adriana Lima. Uh, I'll take that. Di- I'll take that device. Oh Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and can, can you share that with everybody?
1: Yes. No, that's not how, that's not how it works. This is not a communist system. I would just plug it through my uh, Winston device. And so I would be completely safe.
0: Yes. You better double VPN that thing. You don't know what kind of viruses she's carrying. Yeah, that's true.
1: That's true. But uh, I mean, it's worth the risk. I think I mean, now that Victoria's secret angels aren't a thing anymore because they're so woke. It's a lot easier to get those women. I mean, I still can't, but I mean, for,
0: because because you know how much I love memes, I'm going to tell you about the, the one that had me chuckling for quite a while it was uh, uh, it was one. of I don't remember what the character was, but it was one of the ones where the characters like, you know, thumbs up and in, in the first panel and thumbs down in the second. And the first panel was uh, uh, getting a new job, uh, preparing models for their photo shoots. And it was massive thumbs up a smile. And then the next one, it's with Victoria's Secret. And it was a horrified face and a thumbs down.
1: <laughs> How quickly that changed. <laughs> How quickly it changed. And I think their, uh, their market share has kind of dropped. But that's okay. They'll, they'll eventually learn. It's a dog-eat-dog dog world.
0: Yeah, well, you know, capitalism, you do stuff that people don't like. And, and it, it turns out that people stop using your products. I, I know. I know. This doesn't sink in with the woke crowd, but that's still theoretically how the world works until you manage to get the government to override everything. And uh,
1: we will be back on Friday to rail against all the woke. To tell you, you always, the latest tech stories, you always finish with a threat, don't you? Yeah, like we're gonna be back. We'll show you. Oh, I'll be back. We'll be back into your ear. We'll be right back into your ear holes with more of the award-winning. Somebody has to give us an award now. Cold ass, give us an award. The award winning Grumpy Old Benz. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of Middle America, just outside of Chirac, where we'll keep shooting people as long as we got ammo.
0: And from America's Left Coast, where I secure my used devices with a hammer, I'm Ryan Burrows. <laughs> We uh, we refer to that as brute force security.